My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a Domino podcast with my friend, Dan White. And for five years, we have brought you the very best of the network, but it's time for a change. Now, we don't just confine ourselves to Vinnie Mac, bring you AEW, Impact, NJPW, and all the latest for the British wrestling scene. But we will still bring you all our old favourites, including NXT Update, Takeovers and live shows for the Big Four. This year we will decide who is the greatest British wrestler in the world, plus so much more. But until we watch everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's a very special episode, it's the WNR 275, yes, 275 episodes, and today we're going to be looking at the Magnificent Seven. But before we do anything, let's start with the alternate intro, and Calvera has just captured the Seven, and Calvera says... What I don't understand is why a man like you took the job in the first place. Hmm? Why, huh? Well, Chris says, I wonder myself. No, come on. Come on. Tell me why. Well, Vin says, it's like a fellow I once knew in El Paso. One day, he just took all his clothes off and jumped in a mess of a cactus. I asked him the same question. Why? And? He said, it seemed to be a good idea at the time. And that leads us to the WL275. A good idea at the time, Dan. Can you believe 275 episodes ago we did this? But uh, we talk about that. I'm really, really excited for today. Let's start with the proper intro. Yes, well, 275 episodes ago, we started this podcast to see if the WWE Network was worth the 9 99 a month. In the years since, we have had our ups and downs, and the last year, we decided to change things. This year, the WNR's quest is to find the best British wrestler in the world. Yeah, we came up with the WNR's Magnificent Seven. Well, seven men who are at the top of their game. And at the end of the year, we'll work out who is number one. But on our first stop, we are going to work out who's had the best first quarter of the year. And we've got action from NJPW, Red Pro, NWA, and of course, NXT UK. Well, let's get started. Right, so the basis of the ranking will be performance, success, standing, prospects within the company, and what our actual thoughts are. So before we start with number one, just before we get onto it, I'm so excited about Magnificent Seven. Damn, 275 episodes low is quite a landmark. What are your thoughts on, uh, we're coming up to our 300th and our anniversary show on our fifth year? Well, you know, it has completely changed. We've changed it. Uh, we're kind of like a wrestler going through the motions. Like, you know, we start off with something that's good. We evolved to something better going back 20 years and looking at what's gone on in WWE 20 years ago. And now, like, we can't, we're kind of at the... John Cena's current character. We're <laughs> catering for everyone with the Magnificent Seven. Yeah, and what a list it would be. Like I said, we picked seven of the best British wrestlers, and we're going to go through it now from one to seven. And we start with number one on the list, and it can only be one man. And that is Drew McIntyre. 
Well, the 34-year-old from Ayrshire earned his title shot at number one on the list after becoming the only Brit to win the Royal Rumble. Well, he will take on champion Brock Lesnar, sorry, Lesnar, when he headlines the WrestleMania event in Florida on the 5th of April. And the Rangers fan who swapped boys football in Presick for pro wrestling in the USA and says he will do it for Scotland. Well, McIntyre told BBC Scotland's The Nine he was determined to make history in wrestling's biggest show of the year. He said, WrestleMania is our World Cup. It's our FA Cup final. Well, there will be 80,000 people there and I've guaranteed world title match. I was the first ever Scottish guy to win the Royal Rumble, the first ever British guy to win it, and hopefully I'll be the first ever Scottish world champion. Well, McIntyre, who used the surname Galloway during his early career, has built up a huge following in the US and the UK during two stints on the main roster. But his rise to fame was less than predictable. Well, he said everyone at my school was into football, and I grew up tend to be Ali McCoist. I was always fighting to make sure I got the McCoist number nine shirt. I was decent, not great, but in the back of my mind, wrestling was always the goal. Even though to everyone else it seemed unattainable, given that no one from Scotland had ever been signed. Well, any early dreams of becoming a footballer were quickly forgotten when McIntyre started training to become a professional wrestler as a teenager. He said, I started training in Portsmouth when I was 14, travelling 12 hours each way to get sessions. I was signed to WWE age 20, went to America and I've been here ever since. The aspiring wrestler was supported by his parents on the condition that he continued with his studies. And McIntyre agreed and went on to gain a master's degree in criminology from Glasgow Caledonia University for moving Atlantic. He said, this has always been the dream, always been the goal, so I can't imagine doing anything else right now. It's awesome. Everyone has their own impression of wrestling if they don't watch it, but when you get involved and get an appreciation for wrestling, you'll see it's not easy. It's got one take. We're going out there in front of a live audience. We're doing our own stunts. We're trying to control our emotions, and it's my version of art. It's the funniest thing in the world as far as I'm concerned. Well, McIntyre is quickly to credit some of the wrestling's legendary names who extended the global reach of his sport. He said, seeing someone like The Rock going off and showing the world that we are capable of and becoming a top box office attraction is really cool. And I'm hoping people in Scotland and the UK give WrestleMania a chance because they're going to be absolutely hooked. There's something for everybody, but more importantly, I'm there in the main event, and I'm going for the title. Well, before we carry on, do you reckon that, do you reckon that is going to bring in like 90% of Scotland? <laughs> Honestly. Like... Well, we saw, we saw the celebrations for his Royal Rumble win. You know, we saw it on YouTube with the pubs and places. It's going to be even bigger. And hopefully the whole of Britain can celebrate as well. Because like we say, he's the potential to become the first British WWE champion, not just Scottish, you know. Well, exactly that. Yeah, he delivers his title prediction in the self-confessed twangy accent developed after more than 10 years in the States. But still fiercely proud of his Ayrshire roots, he says, we have the most difficult accent in the world to understand. I had to adjust it slightly because I was sick of hearing what for the first four years I was here. I need the world to understand me when I'm champion, raise the title and say, I bloody did it for Scotland. Because if he doesn't beat Lesnar, he might fall into the Ryback Braun Strowman mould of never being thought of again as a main event talent. You see how close those two guys are. And that would be a, a shame, really. The match we're going to have, hopefully from Super Showdown, he didn't have one. But he has been on Raw recently with MVP. He had the talk show segment where I thought um, MVP did quite a good job as well, kind of being that cocky guy. Got met with a Claymore kick and then, of course, McIntyre beating him on Raw the week after. They're really doing well at the uh, What is his record, Dan? Um, well, he has won every match he's been in in 2020. He is 7-0. and Yeah, and that's credit to Internet Wrestling Database. We'll be using their statistics on the show. And we shall see how he gets on if he's number one on the next MAG7 rankings. So let's just have a look at his scores. Well, success. He's got five out of five, obviously. He's won the Royal Rumble. <laughs> you know, you can't 
full to that and he's had a perfect 100% record. Uh, performance, four out of five. Like we said, McIntyre can definitely go. We've not very maybe seen him kind of uh, put his foot down on the gas, but I think his performance during the Rumble was, was magnificent. Absolutely, yeah. And his, um, just, you know, the kind of way you knew he was going after Brock Lesnar. He eliminated the champion, you know, the bloke who came in and he was absolutely cleaning house, eliminating wrestler after wrestler. And, you know, you just see the stare down, eliminate someone and go back to staring at Brock Lesnar. He wasn't caring about anyone else or anything else, just Brock Lesnar. Yeah. And I think what helps him, you know, especially kind of turning face a little bit, is to have an attitude. You don't want to kind of be making jokes for the kids and stuff like that, like a, a Cena or Rollins ended up doing. There's a kind of a bad arsery about him as well. You know, he doesn't look out of place when he's facing off with someone like Lesnar, of course, eliminate him as well. And the way that he's doing it, you know, I, I think he's doing very well. And, of course, standing in the promotion as well, uh, four out of five, because, yeah, like I said, he has won the Royal Rumble, so WWE obviously think about him in quite high regard, even though he's not champion yet. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, future prospects, five out of five. I mean, he is someone that we can pretty much guarantee, bet your bottom dollar on, that he is going to become a world champion. He may not beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, but he will be a world champion. Yeah, and, and that's hopefully how it goes down. So, total, we've got 18 out of 20, which is pretty incredible. Um, thoughts on him? I mean, obviously I'm a little bit biased, so why don't you tell me what you, your thoughts on McIntyre winning the Rumble, and what your thoughts are maybe going to happen to him in the next couple of months, because you know what I'm going to say anyway. Well, my thoughts, yeah, I'll go back to when he was brought up from NXT. NXT, he had an absolute fucking badass run. You know, he was untouchable in NXT. Went up to the main roster, he kind of slowed down, they wasn't quite sure what to do with him just at that moment in time. So he was kind of floundering around, you know, teaming up with Dolph Ziggler, doing his own little thing and that, not really reaching the peak. And then, like, you come to the end of 2019, early 2020s, and, you know, the bloke has been on fire, he's been untouchable. You know, and you can certainly see that they're trying to build him up. They've kept him quiet relatively, you know, in the last year. And now, you know, they're kind of garnering up. I hope they're not garnering up to be like, you know, well done, you've won the Royal Rumble, you eliminated Brock Lesnar, you've been unstoppable, but Brock Lesnar is the beast incarnate. He's going to be the one that proves he's top dog. You know, I hope yeah. Drew McIntyre does beat him. We've seen Brock do it before at WrestleMania, beating like Roman Reigns. Of course, Nakamura won the Rumble, and we thought he was a sure thing as well. <coughs> Excuse me, after that. I think the thing is for McIntyre, the thing I, I enjoy at the moment is that he's being used, and it's not a kind of... Usually, like a foreign hill kind of would be like a, a Rusev, you know, kind of flying a flag and saying, I'm better than America. He's the kind of face. But the thing I like about McIntyre is that you don't know he's British. For, for years, the kind of you knew where they were from just by the kind of look of them. And McIntyre is just treated like a superstar, which I, I appreciate as well. You know, you kind of look at him and you go, you know, we, he just looks like he belongs. And hopefully, like we said, it will be his year. But a fantastic start of the year to Drew McIntyre. There's no doubt about it that uh, he is definitely number one on this list. Like I say, it might change in three months' time when we check in again. Uh, but McIntyre, you know, but that might not be down to him in a way. It might be down to the the way the title match goes down and then the booking afterwards as well, isn't it? You know, McIntyre might be putting in these fucking five-star performances. It doesn't matter if WWE don't book him correctly. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, you know, what I'd like to see from Drew McIntyre is to deliver what we would class as a five-star match. Fuck Dave Meltzer's ratings. Fuck anyone else's ratings. 
in our eyes, a five-star match. Yeah, I would completely agree. But the future, like we said, is very, very bright. 18 out of 20. Uh, that's for Drew Actor. Anything else on our number one Drew Actor? Um, absolutely not. No, I think it's been covered. And, oh, yeah, we've met him. No, we have met him, yes. Yeah, so I, I mean... Does it help the fact that he's a Rangers fan, same as me when we were growing up thinking to be Alan McCoyst playing striker for Rangers? Both our love of the WWE, of course him being a little bit bigger than I am, managing to make his dream come true. And now I'm, it's a lot like the Sandlot Kids to be fair, because in Sandlot Kids a guy grows up to be commentator watching his friend become a champion and and this is basically what's going to happen. And again, don't want to toot our own horns, but if we're not going to, who is? The fact is that we uh, saw this on this list. We've seen their talent five, six, seven years ago and decided to stick with them yeah. and see where their journey is. This is not just a new thing where we're catching up. These are guys that we're tuning back into as well. Absolutely, yeah. You know, people that we've seen, we know they've got talent and, you know, definitely worthy of being on the list. They're not just random blokes that have been thrown together. Yeah, and and I will say as well, you know, just in case it credentials as well, if I can say that word correctly, I probably can't. The, the fact is that all these seven guys on this list we have seen live and uh, I think maybe six of them we have actually met as well. So I think only maybe Neville, who we have seen uh, in the WWE, but everybody else we have seen. And I mean, I'm as close to I am to you. I, yeah. Just yeah. to explain, you know, not to, just to say with these guys, obviously as a personal thing because obviously we're British as well, but this is why... You know, we we can look at it and I think as well with our scores and, and what it means. And how much do you reckon your Rangers shirt that he signed is going to be worth when he becomes? I've had that recently, uh, but I turned it down. Hopefully, a shitload of money. Uh, that would be a what great. Be, thing. What would you sell it for? What, what would, would I say? I, 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 the lowest amount that you'd take for it right now, a couple of grand maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, this, the, the man <laughs> is a Rangers fan and he's going to potentially become the first British W champion. That is history in the making. There. All on a t-shirt. Like I said, pictures and all this stuff. And we try and post all the stuff. I don't want to ruin what we're going to do, but pretty soon you'll be seeing a lot of that that stuff as well. Well, so what? Um, Two blokes that we've met are the two people that have faced Brock Lesnar. Like (laughs) I've met Ricochet. We got a picture with him. Drew McIntyre. I got a picture with him. Yeah, and also, weirdly enough, not really, but... My sister met Tyson Fury a couple of months ago. Now he's the boxing heavyweight champion of the world as well. So it seems that we kind of meet the We're champs. like an omen. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's move through this list then and let's get on to number two. Two! And that is the man from Dudley, Pete Dunne. Yeah. And what can we say about the man from Dudley? Well, the most consistent wrestler since the podcast began. Anything this man is given is guaranteed to deliver from an in-ring point of view. Since losing the NXT UK title to Walter, it's taken time for Pete to find his feet in NXT. Well, he should never have lost to Damien Priest, but 2020 has seen a mini-revival and it's thanks in part to the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Well, the Dusty Rhodes tag classic has been a feature of NXT since we began this podcast, and this year, Pete and Matt Riddle see how far they could go. No, sorry, this year... Dan picked Pete Dunn, who picked Matt Riddle to see how far they could go. Well, as Dan will tell you, they went on to win the Dusty Classic, defeating the Grizzled Young Vets in the finals, then facing the Undisputed Era at TakeOver Portland, and winning the NXT Tag Team titles. Well, this bromance looks to be together. This bromance looks to be going somewhere, and hopefully will elevate Dan to the main event scene on NXT, and if, if all things go well, Matt Riddle. <laughs> yeah, we can hope so. We can hope so. Let's hope he can make it. But our match 
is a very exciting one. It's from NXT and the February 19th edition, and it's their first title defence. Well, it is the Bros Awakes versus a team really close to heart, our heart, one of our favourite teams, and that is Only Lorkin and Danny Birch. Danny Birch. And Danny Birch had a few things to say about British wrestling as well. Well, yes, he says the dark days of British wrestling are over as a new crop of stars get to shine on TV with WWE. Comparing talent scattered now to when it was first signed by American Sports Entertainment Giant in 2011, the strong style Brit believes there are definitely more opportunities. He said it's not easier than in the past, but it's more accessible to be able to get seen now, especially with how big wrestling has got in the UK. I do think that the radar blip is a lot more visible right now. Well, they have a kind of interest in, I would say, so I don't necessarily think it's easier to go and get signed now. You still have to be able to deliver. As with many WWE talents based in the UK, Birch has also starred for the, for the affiliated Progress Wrestling in London, something which he doesn't take for granted. I hadn't worked for Progress much for my first run in FCW, WWE Developmental Territory from 20, 2007 to 2012, so I wasn't around when it really exploded, he said. I did a couple of shows for them, but then I really saw the company grow and develop whilst I was living in the States. So to get the chance to go back, me and Oni had a tag match December last year. And that chance to go back and get that hometown welcome was amazing. I'd love the chance to go back to progress again. Well, W's moved to BT Sport in January and the accompanying deal with Viacom has been a source of excitement for talent within the sports entertainment giant. With Raw, SmackDown and NXT appearing live on BT Sport, along with Channel 5 showing highlights of Raw and SmackDown and Paramount screaming NXT UK, the company doesn't just have a presence on subscription services. He said, It's pretty mind-blowing considering the dark days of British wrestling and how there was no spotlight on it. And just you know then, you might get crowds of 50 to 100 people if you're lucky on a good day. So looking at it now and what's happened to the scene. Well, right now, British wrestling is on TV and XUK is on TV. It's on Paramount. It's on a local network. So it's mind-blowing, really. Just, you know, from the exposure the guys are going to get. And literally new people, new fans, new families can tune in every single week. So it's good. It's so funny for me to sit and think about it. This is a huge, massive change and it can only be for the positive it really is an exciting time. Yeah, what a legend Danny Birch is. And to say that he's coming out here with only Lorkin, who's representing uh, 205 Live. That's the last tag team of the year a couple of years ago. But has the moment gone for Birch and Lorkin? Can they ever be tag team champions? Or are they always the guys who are going to get beaten by the kind of contenders <laughs> for it? Because I would love to see a title run. I would love to see, yeah, I would love to see them becoming NXT tag team champions, either the UK or the American NXT. I think these two guys certainly deserve it with the amount of hard work that they put in. I think there's definitely a story there, you know, for, for both guys. NXT have come so close and there's just something about them and only Lorcan as well has got a, a great distinction here on this podcast as being the only American that we're going to see in action here today. Oh no, add Matt Riddle, but... Sorry, does the, he, the does, only American. Only American. But does Matt Riddle count as American or even a human? That is the question we ask ourselves. He well, is a fucking mushroom. I, I apologise to everybody. We are bringing seven fantastic talents. Magnificent. Yeah, but we have also got Matt Riddle, which yeah, is a shame. apologies. But hopefully this is going to help Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn's going to turn him, surely, isn't he? You know? Well, don't call me Shirley, but I think that's the way we've seen... I think we've seen uh, bits of it creep Pete Dunne uh, accidentally getting hit by Matt Riddle in a couple of exchanges despite them going on to win the match and remain victorious. But you can see Pete Dunne having enough of it. 
Well, this is the thing, and hopefully Dunn then can be elevated, uh, not just by association, because I think NXT does need some uh, kind of new talent coming through. There's no better than uh, Dunn if he's not going to be using NXT UK. And I think what's interesting as well is we see Dunn and Birch kind of uh, mat wrestling. We saw Nigel, this is special, uh, just uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and the thing is, we talked about the evolution of the sport as well. Not much like the podcast, over 275 episodes. We're like a really regal, someone like that, coming through. And then we said like, Nigel McGuinness, and then from that, of course, someone like Danny Birch, who's a, a veteran in himself, you know, and then coming across to Pete Dunn, and then slowly into like Tyler Bate. It's, it's kind of what we're seeing in British wrestling. It is... I don't think it's getting better. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but there's definitely more of it now, isn't there? There's more opportunity, you're saying. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and Danny Birch, he is an absolute veteran and a legend of the game. And I'm sure a lot of the younger guys, especially in NXT, are taking, you know, they're absorbing his knowledge like a sponge because, you know, the man has been everywhere and anywhere. Yeah, I think without a doubt. And as we see with Only Lorcan, as he gets a tag and so does Matt Riddle, that uh, he signed a new contract recently, so Lorcan maybe be given a chance. But at the moment, it's not really worked out for him. They've been very quiet. Uh, 25 Live, it's not the greatest exposure for such a great tag team. Let's hope in NXT they can be a bit competitive. A couple of gut wrench suplexes to Birch and Lorcan. <coughs> and done their flipping Riddle over. Yeah, I think Pete Dunn was looking for the running sense as he normally hits, but... Uh... Lorkin was kind of rolling out of the ring, so he hit him with a seated dropkick instead. You know, a great adaptation of something that could have made him look like an idiot, but he still managed to get something out of it. And I think that's the secret, you know, this is why there's such great talents as well, because you don't realise that, uh, and, and, you know, unless you, you really play, pay close attention to the fingers we've done, he can change it. If something's not working or, or a move's not going that right way, he can try to change it, and it does work well. Do you think, you know, as... The person that's going to be benefiting most from this broserweight tag team is going to be Matt Riddle. Because, you know, Matt Riddle, he can be seen as sloppy. He can be seen as kind of outlandish. And someone like Pete, like Pete Dunn kind of reining him in, like, you know, kind of keeping him on an even playing field. Do you think that's going to help Matt Riddle become less dickish? Well, I think the thing is, is that you could do... There'll be worse things to do than take a page out of Dunn's kind of play. But like even say after holding the title for that long, he could have had a little bit of attitude backstage and said, well, I deserve a little bit more. But he's come along and he's 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 just gone along with it, hasn't he? Even like I said, the defeats of Damien Priest and stuff like this, matches of Killing Dane, and now being involved here. I mean, he would say who's the biggest star in NXT? Would it be Dunn or Riddle? You might argue Riddle, but there's no doubt Dunn is just incredible. I mean, even the stuff, he's just got the hot tag there. And just the stuff he can do, the transitions yeah. and the moves, it is a different level to anything we've seen. I hope they see that and go, right, that's the guy we have to use now as a kind of standout. Absolutely, yeah. Obviously, the most consistent wrestler on the podcast, and that is saying something considering all the wrestlers that we've seen since it began. But I, I can't think of anybody else who just doesn't have a bad match. It's, it's very difficult to pick it out. Well, you've got like Gagano and Ciampa. But even that on NXT sometimes, they might have like a... Uh, squash match or, or, or something like this you know we've we've done the amount of matches that he's had they always seem to be entertained like I see Gagana Champa on the main roster AJ Styles maybe just because of like level of consistency but I think that works against AJ Styles maybe works against Pete Dunne if you know you can put in a good match against anybody you'll be put in there and seeing what you can do oh absolutely yeah well I think you know that's uh, a credit to his talent you know he can team with Matt Riddle and deliver a five-star match, you know, and it's not a lot of people that kind of have that thing of elevating the people around them as, you know, as well as their tag team partners, as well as their opponents as well. 
But this is the thing, maybe you've got to be a little bit more selfish, like a Drew McIntyre, if you want to get further up the list as well. And just kind of say, no, this is the position I want to be. There's no doubt Dunn can be number one, but he's got to want to, you know, he's going to show it every night, but he's got to kind of do something, maybe have a little bit more attitude, you know, maybe a bit more, not a kind of twat like he is, but do you know what I mean? A bit more outspoken because uh, with Dunn, he is the ever professional. But I think that's what kind of sets Pete Dunn up apart from everyone else. You know, he doesn't say much on the mic and putting him with probably one of the most mouthiest, lippiest people on the fucking NXT roster. It's kind of, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, Pete Dunn's probably learning a bit more chatter off of Matt Riddle. You know, let's just hope he don't fucking turn into the bro. <laughs> or Riddle looking for the tag, but Birch stopping him with the uppercut. Upper what? And these uh, four men have all gone at it. Lorkin had a cross facing but was stopped thanks to Dunn. And now Birch is there, show what he can do. And Riddle now nicking another move from someone. Superman punch. Powerbomb looking for the knee. And that's a fucking Superman <laughs> right hand, Birch. And he didn't even need to cock his wrist either. Gets kicked by Pete Dunn, falls into a tag with only Lorkin. He comes in and just slaps the nipple off of Pete Dunn's chest. <laughs> a huge running European uppercut. Upper what? Fucking hell. And a huge blockbuster in Lorcan now. Trying to build momentum. This is what the team can do. And you can see, you know, just the look of only Lorcan. You see he's putting everything he's got into his strikes. And that looks absolutely brilliant. And Dunno making sure to catch the arm on the way in. Breaking a finger. A bit of joint manipulation. Tease him up. And a better end into the knee. And that is job done. And maybe they ended a bit too quickly for my liking. But I think if you're looking at the first total defence, Birch and Lorcan are a perfect team to be involved in that, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. But I would like to see more from Birch and Lorcan, you know. Just getting them their own little bit of uh, glory. This is what I'm saying. We want a little bit more. This could be a takeover-worthy match if they build it up enough. And what a moment it could be for Lorcan and Birch. But for Dunn and Riddle, I mean, when we talk about them, I mean, what did you think of the match first and foremost? Again, the match was absolutely entertaining. Um, we didn't have to endure too much of Matt Riddle. So, you know, and Pete Dunne, he's absolutely amazing, comes in on the hot tag, just, you know, cleans up, has his absolute great moment, like a person that could save the match after Matt Riddle's just doing his own boring, move-stealing fucking repertoire. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, Dunne seems to be getting more comfortable as well. And, uh, like I said, it's always good to add a little bit of personality to you, because... Maybe that's what you can say with Dunn. Even though he does make me laugh sometimes, but I don't think it's intentional. So it's just kind of faces, features and stuff like, stuff like that. Right, so let's finish up on Dunn then. So what's his record, Dan? Well, his record is he's only had one singles match this year. So that just shows you, you know. I mean, does that count You know, when you look at a record? You want to see him have more one-on-one matches, but it kind of makes sense he's in a tag team, doesn't it, you know? Uh, absolutely, yeah. All right, so success in NXT, a four out of five, like we said. Uh, you obviously can't go for the Women's Championship. You can't go for the NXT title. But the be- best position underneath that, you know, would be tag team. And I think that's where he finds himself. Um, he, he's, he's, like I said, picking himself up after a couple of defeats. And like I said, undefeated at this moment in time. Yeah, indeed. His performance, again, five out of five. He doesn't have a bad match. Every match he's in, you know, he's always on top of his game. He's always performing, outperforming everyone else in the ring. And that's what you want to see from him. Yeah, without a doubt, you can't argue with Pete Dunne. You know, we talk about that with Drew McIntyre. Dunne always delivers. Standing the promotion, I would say four out of five as well. Uh, NXT look at him very highly. Maybe, like they say, do they look at him as highly as they do? But there's two guys they're looking at and going, right, there's going to be the future of NXT there. I think that would be correct, wouldn't it? Yeah. 
future prospects. Well, this is more of a kind of like very near future. That's four out of five. You know, he's not going to be going up to the main roster and being champion anytime soon. He's not going to be NXT champion anytime very soon. I'm not saying it won't happen, but it's this is, you know, kind of like the next few months, you know, to six months, maybe even a year. This is critical now to find out where Pete Dunst in WWE and NXT. If he's used as cannon fodder after the Matt Riddle feud and Riddle goes off to have success and Dunn doesn't, that could be a problem. But there's a chance now to build Dunn up on the back of Riddle. And, you know, Vincent Mann might look at him and say, well, Riddle's got some fans. I think, imagine Dunn uh, getting a chance. I think he'll definitely take it. Uh, so total was 17 out of 20. Again, only one point off Drew McIntyre. But our thoughts on Dunn. There's no doubt the man is a fantastic wrestler. But we could argue, does he need to build up a personality to actually find himself as a world champion one day? I think he needs a little more personality. I do like the kind of the quiet side of him, though, you know, because every, everyone who's anyone has always got a bit of micability. And we see, like, you know, people that can work the mic, they're not necessarily any fucking good. Look at Enzo Amore. Yeah, he could fucking talk the hind legs off a fucking donkey. But a bloke couldn't deliver shit. I'd rather have someone who can deliver in the ring and not talk. You know, he says, right, I don't talk much. You watch me in the fucking ring. That's where I do my talking. That's where I tell stories. That's where I fucking write novels. Yeah, I think you're bang on. I think we've we've done. We've seen how good uh, he can be as well. But there we go. So we are two... Men down, and we move on to number three. And that man is Will Ospreay. Yeah, much like Pete Dunn, Ospreay never disappoints inside the ring, and maybe only Ricochet would be the only wrestler to be able to do the moves that he does. He started the year as IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, but fell to Hiroshi Takahashi at Wrestle Kingdom 14 in a classic. We should know. We watched it. Well, dealing with a heel injury, the man had more matches than anyone on the list this year, but would he fo- what would he focus on? After the defeat. This heel injury, is it him being a bad guy, being an injured, or is it his foot? He actually injured his foot. Right, I just wanted to make that one absolutely... <clears throat> but who would he focus on, though, Dan, after the defeat? What, defeat injury? No, the defeated... After <laughs> losing the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, who would he focus on then? Well, James, funny you should mention that. It's another member of the Magnificent Seven... Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, well, one of the great things in Japan is that the wins and losses matter and who actually gets pinned. At New Year's Dash, two days after losing the title, he pinned Zack Sabre Jr. in an eight-man team match. This led to a match for the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, that was at NJPW, the new beginning in Sapporo, night two. Two. A video package did a fantastic job explaining that the extensive rivalry between these two Brits... ZSJ made a point of saying that Osprey had never beaten him, beaten him in singles competition, and Osprey claimed that he had already achieved accolades higher than the Rev Pro British Championship, but needed to capture the belt for completion purposes. Story at play here, unlike most Osprey matches, this one started off very slowly. It became clear that Osprey was trying to match Zack Sabre Jr.'s grounded technical style in order to overcome him. However, ZSJ continually got the upper hand, so Osprey reverted to his athletic style. He then began working Osprey's neck while Osprey's worked over Zack Sabre Jr.'s knee, but neither managed to gain a real advantage over the other. With every high-flying move, it seemed that Zack Sabre Jr. had a submission to counter it. He managed to hit a flying forearm to pick up the advantage, soon followed by an Oz cutter. However, ZSJ rolled out of the ring to safety. Osprey hit his aerial moves to the outside and the momentum shifted in his favour. 
back in the ring. Osprey went for the Stormbreaker, but Zack Sabre smoothly transitioned it into a Cobra twist. Osprey passed out, causing referee stoppage. Well, this match brought out a different version of Osprey. It was refreshing to see him wrestle a slightly different style. While it wasn't enough to put Zack Sabre Jr. down, there's no chance that we haven't seen the last of these two. Two. NJPW's Road to the New Beginning, Day 5, set up a British Heavyweight Championship rematch for Rev Pro Wrestling. Well, Chaos, who is Osprey, Kachuka Akada, Sho and Yo faced off with Shizuki Gun, which is Sabre, Tachi, El Desperado, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru in an elimination match at uh, Road of New Beginning show. The match came down to Osprey and Sabre, with Osprey pitting Sabre after hitting the Stormbreaker. Winning Sabre, Osprey cut a promo where he challenged Sabre to another British heavyweight title match. Osprey posted a tweet hyping up the match. Tonight I proved I can put Zack's shoulder on the mat. My seven-year journey will come full circle in the place it all began. Friday, 14th of February, York Hall, Bethnal Green, London. Before we get to that match, uh, let's just look at Osprey's record. It is 11-3. and three. Yes, that's quite a good record. You know, it's it has blips in it, but... You know, we can overlook that. And having 14 matches this year already, which is, you know, it is quite a feat in itself. His success is four out of five. Well, four out of five is is, is pretty high considering that he's um, lost the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. But the thing is, he is kind of, the success goes into what happens next. And usually when a champion loses it, he's out of the picture. But he's, he's in, literally, the reason he's had so many matches, he's on the NJPW show. And like I said, he's coming out the winning end. So that helps, of course, as we go through standard and promotion a little bit later and the success he's had. He might have lost his title at the biggest event, but he's not lost many after that. Absolutely. His performance, five out of five. Again, this is another man that can't have a bad match. He puts everything he's got and leaves it in the ring, tells superb stories, and, you know, you can see his grit and determination. He is doing exactly what he wants to do in life. It's this match, you know, uh, at Wrestle Kingdom, and it was a thing of beauty with Osprey. And, of course, the technical classic he has, that Sabre Jr., of course, leading up to the, the match for the Red Pro Championship as well. This guy can not, do no wrong in that ring. And my people talk about Kenny Omega, they need to start looking at fucking Will Osprey. That's what's getting me uh, annoyed. I talk about standing and promotions four out of five. Like I said, this guy is used on every show they have, and it just shows you the kind of trust they have in him to put him there and go, okay, right, you're, you're the second championship in, in New Japan. You're going to be the champion. Oh, you've lost that. Don't worry. We're going to give you this, but you're still going to be high profile and featured in all the events as well. Uh, so I think he's very safe where he is at the moment in New Japan. Well, talking of safe, that is what goes on to his future prospects. That's a four out of five. Because, you know, in prospects, you want to reach the pinnacle of the game. You want to reach WWE or now, as it seems, AEW. But will he be, you know, settled in kind of not being the biggest star in a promotion? Or will he rather be the biggest star in a promotion that's kind of smaller than the main two? Yeah, and and this is the thing that he wants to do. And at the moment, he seems happy wrestling Japan and Britain as well uh we look at a total 17 out of 20 i mean success you could argue maybe three and a half out of five instead of four which would give him maybe 16 and a half which would put him officially in three but when i look at osprey and dunn i don't see that much difference between the two guys you know when you look at what talent what as well like osprey featured you know i think would be as good as nxt and WWE as pete dunn is um, so i mean thoughts on when osprey down i mean we have seen it we've seen him more times than i think anybody else on this list. 
What are your thoughts on Osprey as a performer? And what can he do to maybe... Does he need to go to WWE to prove that he's a star? Or can he have the success he needs in Japan and elsewhere? Well, I think, you know, to really elevate someone, he would need to go to either AEW. Um, you know, there's so much... <clears throat> There is more talent that he can have better matches with in WWE slash NXT than any other promotion, AEW, Impact, whatever else. And I think he could have his best matches in WWE because there is so much more potential for him in there than any other. You see, I'm not sure. I mean, I would love it if, um, you know, Rev Pro and all that, try to use uh, Will Ospreay as a kind of figurehead to battle NXT UK. I think that would be quite cool. And I think there's more of a chance for him in New Japan. We've seen him against Okada a couple of times for the, the heavyweight championship. There's more chance of him becoming a, a heavyweight champion in Japan than there is in WWE. I think like when we look at Ricochet and how he's being used, I think they'll look at Osprey and go, oh, there's a guy that just does flips and stuff like this, uh, rather than the kind of real talent that... You know, Ricochet could do that as, as good as Osprey. Like we say, we talk about British wrestling here tonight, but there's one guy as well who's not been used to potential. It would break my heart to see someone like Osprey who seems really pretty at the moment to be put in a position where he didn't want to be. At the moment, he's calling the shots. You know, McIntyre and Dunn are two different guys, aren't they? They've both had uh, success in WWE, whereas uh, the other guys we're looking at have got to try to break out. And I think that's what we say with Will Ospreay. But anyway, let's check out his perf- uh, uh, opponent. Yes, and that is number four, Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. One of the greatest technical wrestlers on the planet. He's now added some much-needed attitude his record this year, but he's putting himself in a position with NJPW and Rev Pro, where he's a guy that can be put in matches and will always deliver. He won both matches at Wrestle Kingdom, and he's being matched up with a top talent in New Japan. The key thing with which is attitude. Uh, <clears throat> the key thing with his attitude is that he backs up in the ring. And people say he's not big enough and could be tied in knots by him. Yeah, without a fucking doubt. You know, we talk about a guy. Uh, plus, he's never hid from a chat. The thing is from him is I love a kind of cocky guy of like, oh, I can beat you. And then you see it in the Hill matches where they can't, you know, they have to take an easy way out. With Zack Sabre Jr., he is without doubt the most technical wrestler on the planet today. And anybody that says otherwise is, is you're having a laugh. You need to watch this guy in person and what he does to show what he can do. And like we said, never hid from a challenge. He's been Rev Pro British Heavyweight Champion four times. Uh, and he he's seen Osprey and gone. I tell you what, you're a guy who's on top of your game. I'll take you on. You know, absolutely yes, James. But without further ado, it is time for our match, and it is Rev Pro's high stakes at York Hall in London. It was on Friday, February the fourteenth, while we was out on our Valentine's date. <laughs> yeah. You know, these was uh, going on. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, it's Zack Sabre Jr. versus Will Osprey for the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship. We recently subscribed to Rev Pro, which is about £6 a month. Not too bad. You get shows on there as well. Let's just run through the results of High Stakes quickly. Well, we had the Rev Pro British women's title. Giselle Shaw defeated Zoe Lucas via pinfall to win the title. Yeah, she ended with a mammoth Ray and Lucas following a spinning top rope splash. Dan Maloney defeated Jeff Cobb via pinfall. Maloney defeated the recent AEW debutant with his driller pile driver. The Southside Speed King title, champion Ricky Knight Jr., who is yeah, he's the Paige. brother of Paige, defeated Robbie X via pinfall. Yeah, he dropped uh, Robbie X with a sheer drop pile driver. We had a no disqualification match. L.A. Park defeated Eddie Kingston via pinfall. L.A. Park picked up the win in a wild brawl after Curtis Chapman low blow on Kingston, followed up by a huge Park Spear for a table. 
He then floored Dan McGee with a steel chair. Mark Haskins defeated Hikulu, Carlos Romo, Kyle Fletcher, Chris Brooks and Mad Kurt via pinfall. Haskins assist from Gideon Gray who hit Kyle no, Fletcher. No, James, it's Lord Gideon Gray. <laughs> He's still about filling up with a maid in Japan. We had the Rev Pro British Tag Team Championships champions, the Legion, which is Great O'Khan and Rampage Brown, defeated Southside heavyweight champion David Starr and No Fun Done via pinfall to retain the titles. The Legion picked up the win and gained a new member as Mark Haskins interfered, kicking both Starr and Dunn low, allowing O'Khan to hit Soul Slam. Rev Pro British Cruiserweight title Michael Oku defeated El Fantasmo via submission to win the title. And Oku finally captured the gold after forcing ELP to tap to a high angle half crab. Alright, so up next then, it's the first time ever we are watching Rev Pro here on the WNR podcast on the subscription service, and it's Will Ospreay versus Zack Sabre Jr. for the Rev Pro Championship. So here we go, we've got Rev Pro set up, and we are ready. And uh, you know, I'm really excited. Can you, Rev Pro, Dan, I mean, for anybody that's never seen it before, we have watched it, I mean, like, say, 2013, it's like seven years ago now. Um, what, what, how would you explain Rev Pro? I mean, from what it was and now to what it is, because I'm really impressed with its kind of look and its professional lookness and feel to it, you know? Well, from what we saw of Rev Pro, it was kind of like a, a small outfit set up in a in a gymnasium or in a sports hall somewhere, and there was probably, what, about 80, res- 80 fans watching it, and, you know, it wasn't like the most sophisticated of setups, but, you know, now it seems like it's grown to be one of the biggest promotions in... UK. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, and it's not affiliated with WWE, uh, WWE Talent and stuff like that. Do not work with them. Pro are trying to build their own stuff. They've got a relationship with New Japan, which we've been seeing. And like I said, Zach Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay, guys have been there since the very beginning. We saw these guys seven years ago in Pro, where Will Ospreay first made his uh, the company. He hasn't been the champion. And Zach Sabre Jr. has been four-time Pro champ. And you can see his cocky attitude as well. Come on, it's a different Zack Sabre Jr. to what was on the Cruiserweight Classic to what we saw as well, you know? I just want to slap that prick standing up in the front row, just giving him the middle finger. I mean, everyone else is sat down appreciating what they're about to see. And there's this one fucking dick just up there with both fucking middle fingers up. And what a toss part. Well, Will Ospreay had a magnificent uh, entrance. We talked about magnificent as well. It is number three and four on this list. And, uh, you know, whoever... Wins this one might come out on top. It's very, very interesting. And uh, they kind of knew, Rev Pro must have known that we were doing this. So they thought, I'll tell you what, we'll give them a treat. We'll put four and three next against, against each other. Who are you going for in this one? Who, who are you favouring as Osprey looks laser focused? Um, I'm going to have to go down the lines of Osprey because they are making a huge point of the fact that he's never held it. Zach Sabre Jr. has held it for four times. You know, he is. You know, he's managed to get one up on Osprey multiple times. So, you know, it's, it's kind of being lined up ready for Osprey to take this one. Well, we get the introductions and, yeah, we're talking about who we favour as well. I think with Will Osprey, laser focus here tonight. But with Zach Sabre Jr., he's just so confident. When you've got the confidence, it's difficult to be beaten sometimes, you know? Absolutely, yeah, you can't deny that. As he gets in Will Osprey's face. <laughs> just look at him just sitting there. Zach Sabre Jr. is slightly bigger than Will Ospreay in height anyway. So are we going to see Ospreay do what he did in Sapporo where he's going to try a more technical aspect and try and match Zach Sabre Jr.? Or is he going to try and uh, empty the tank, so to speak, and try and hit all the offensive moves in the early going? 
Well, I think he certainly needs to go um, out of his wheelhouse to try and uh, combat what Zack Sabre Jr. can actually bring. And Osprey is more comfortable maybe in Japan's come over where he spends a lot of his time with extra training as well. And the bell rings. And the ring is uh, visibly a lot smaller than a WWE ring. At least the referee's still got his job. I cannot remember his name, but at least he's still doing stuff. Isn't that the guy we spoke to about the WWE podcast? What, at the... At the, the, the Maidstone event. Okay. God, I know we spoke to one guy. I don't know if they've actually got one referee. Hey, if you're listening to this, contact us. We'll have you on. We don't mind. And... Yes, absolutely. We'd love to hear your <laughs> thoughts and insights. And the crowd are laser-focused on this one. Not sure which way it's going to go. But all they do know is that it is going to be an amazing match-up between these two. And Zach just showing exactly what he can do there. Exactly what he can do. And Osprey. No, he's in for a fight. I'm not a huge fan of that camera. No, it's a bit... Um, well, they're wrong. You know, AEW and... You know, the, the, the six cameras, a bit of speed there, just both guys, appreciation. Of course, the event was sold out. And then Mark's on the back here of Will Ospreay. He's kind of been using the uh, the suction cup technique because uh, they're not massive love bites. No, I, do, I, I wondered what they were. As Ospreay now with a takedown, and he wants to show that he's as technical as a Zack Sabre Jr. You can just see, we talked about Pete Dunne, what he does with the kind of looking as well. These two guys interacting already. There's a very simple question. It's something that I love about professional wrestling. Very, very simple. You've got two guys. Both think they're the best. There's only one championship. Only one could be number one. Who is better? At the moment, Zack Sabre Jr. has proven to Osprey he can get the job done. Osprey's had loads of success in Japan. Can he come back to where he started and actually win the championship? Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, with these two guys, you've got Zack Sabre Jr., who is a tremendous technical wrestler. I mean, you know, he is up there on the pinnacle of technical wrestling. You've got Will Ospreay, a man who can do unthinkable things in the air. But Ospreay is kind of changing his wheelhouse. He is trying to go into technical wrestling. But he can also mix it up with his tremendous speed and his tremendous agility. And this is the same with that. So just relying on that technical aspect, it's coming more about the attitude, more about other things that he's doing as well. It's a story being told. Is that Sabre Jr. saying, right, you were close in that exchange then. Let's see if I can get it overall. I think the fans are definitely behind Osprey in this one. Without a shadow of a doubt. I think, you know, the thing that's helping them get over with Osprey is Zack Sabre Jr. being his cocky self as well now. So it's kind of, we hate, we, we love them both, but Zack Sabre Jr. is being an arrogant prick, so we're going to go on the go in the corner of Will Osprey. Yeah, there's no doubt there's a respect there. Which, again, you know, it is a great way of marketing these two. It's hard to untie him when he ties you up. Yeah, it, it, like I said, the, the reach advantage that he has. And Osprey has been struggling with this, you know, when we see it in, in Japan as well. When Zach Sabre Jr. has got hold of it, it's difficult to get out. And you know this one's going to be quite a long match because it is starting off nice and slowly, you know. Uh, neither two guys have kicked it into high gear yet. They're just feeding each other out. They know that, you know, it's going to be... A marathon as opposed to a sprint today. And the thing about the British crowd that I love, if you look at the crowd, every single one of them has got eyes on the action. They're just kind of watching it and telling the story as well. You know they're going to hit the right moments. It's not about them. It's about these two guys in the ring trying to give everything. But then, you know, the crowd's appreciation of it, the way the crowd is acting, you know, no one stood there with their phone out kind of filming everything they've got. They're watching it intently. You know, they're, they're hooked in by it. And that is, you know, something that, you don't get from a lot of wrestling promotions and, you know, it is 
it is a talent that you have to have to be able to have all eyes in the room on you. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. It's the newest, you know, kind of British version of NXT in a way, but just a little bit bigger. You know, like I said, the setting where it is as well, it's, it's quite iconic. It's a shame that there's nothing big kind of near nearer by here in the southeast as well, you know, where you could have a, a couple of thousand people, maybe Brighton. Well, you're saying it's a bigger, ver- it's a British version of NXT, isn't NXT UK the British version of NXT? I would, but like you said, I think NXT UK is a smaller version of. I think Rev Pro is. If you're going to NXT UK versus Rev Pro, I think Rev Pro beats it at the moment in time. Oh, but that, I think that's a masturbate for another day, though. Do you know what I mean? That's a. But the question is, Rev Pro is definite competition for WWE. See the, the talent on show here. Can you hold off, hold off masturbating for a, a bit longer than James? Because I, I, I will, I will try. You ha- we haven't had a you, you, you certainly haven't had a masturbate in in quite a while now. Well, we've been a couple of weeks now, so Will Ospreay just crumbles in with a chop. Could you imagine seeing Will Ospreay and Ricochet in the same ring? <laughs> no. I mean, that would just be that would be something else, wouldn't it? It'd be a once in a lifetime thing. Zack Sabre Junior. avoiding. The standing moonsault and just ties up the head of Osprey with his feet. And now he just <laughs> folds him up. But luckily enough, Osprey manages to get to the ring ropes. And there's things that Zack Sabre Jr. can do to you that haven't been invented yet. That was inc- I've not seen a submission like that. A kind of net ringer. Osprey was in serious trouble there as well. But it's, it's, it's again, it's a British style that we see. You know, with Pete Dunne or Zack Sabre Jr., it's the it's it's foundation, the, the basis of it, and then just taking it to a next level. You know, he's done his vicious and what he does and stuff, but Zack Sabre Jr. just works, you know, he's working the kidneys now. Do you know what I mean? He's Absolutely, yeah. He's got him, you know, he's got Osprey pinned to the mat with the knee to the back of the head, and he's just getting the pressure points in the back. He's folding him up into a... You know, it's, it's not going to get the victory, but it is going to tire Osprey uh, out. Exactly, and that's like wear and tear on Will, and the will to carry on as well. And Zach Sabre Jr. is getting comfortable, he's confident, he's got Osprey exactly where he wants him at the moment. It's even Zach Sabre Jr., you know, what his mission, I've just found out, made famous by Kendo Nagasaki. He used to use that famous British wrestler back in the day, had a mask on, said he was from Japan. And I think we'll touch on that maybe, see what response we get, you know, travelling further back at British Wrestling. or then Even about trying to look at where it started all from, like the Big Daddy days and the kind of the wrestling with uh, all-stars at Butlins and Mick stuff McManus. like this as well. You know, all, exactly, all those guys maybe having a look. Of course, these two guys here, but they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the people from the past. And that was lovely for Osprey there, managing to turn it round. He's looking for the springboard kick, but Zack Sabre Jr. catches it. And Sabre Jr. just kind of tying up Osprey again, who luckily enough manages to get his hand to the bottom rope. They just seem to know each other so well, you know, they kind of transition into it. It's just one continuous move, isn't it? Yeah. And that's perfect wrestling. That's what it's... It doesn't look like they've put moves and moves. It feels like they're just going... I, don't, I can't stand it. It's like Matrix in a way, like the understanding that they've got. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can see Zack Sabre Jr. He's not attacking Osprey straight away. You know, he's thinking, right, He's got a counter for this, this, and this. I need to do something that I've not done in a match with him before or something that he wouldn't expect. And, you know, it's kind of giving Will Ospreay a chance to stand up and he's kind of putting the shoulder into him and, you know, saying, look, you know, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you. Giving Ospreay a chance to come back with huge right hands, but Sabre Jr. again ties him up. Will Ospreay wise to it, ducks the jump. But then Sabre Jr. is just like, right, you know, I'll try this then. A huge uppercut. 
And uh, this time Osprey hits the springboard Pele kick. But it's even the selling of it as well. It's not outlandish kind of bumping around everywhere after they get hit. But it like, if you got kicked in the face, that's what it looked like. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and he's saying, that, you know, you, I caught it last time. You caught it, caught me with it this time. I didn't see it coming. And I mean, anybody that's never seen these two guys for it's definitely worth catching a match. Not even against each other, but just in action. To see, like, we talk about WWE and the kind of success. Do they need to be outside? Would they actually be treated well in the promotion? You know, they get main event here at Rev Pro. is getting enough kind of eyes on it. Had a big match in New Japan. Both of these guys seem to be happy and confident and, you know, like I said, top of their abilities at this moment in time. I think both of these guys would fare a million times, hey, you know, than they would in WWE until Vince McMahon gets his big man mentality out of his head. Then, you know, it's these two guys won't stand much of a chance. Mm. Where we ship them to NXT and these guys will be fucking, you know, the matches that these two could have with the likes of Chomper, Gagano, Cole, Pete Dunne, you know, they'd be fucking amazing matchups. Without a doubt, you know, Pete done with consistency, but I, I, like I say, I'll put Will Ospreay there against Kenny Omega or something like that. You want to talk about best wrestlers on the planet, you know, Ospreay is just doing it. And I'll tell you what, Zack Sabre Jr., to his credit, he's been, every time I see him, I get more and more impressed by him. You know what I mean? Like, he's one of those wrestlers that, oh, you don't think he does much, he does the same thing, but it's, it's the little things that he does makes him the worker that he is in a weird way. Well, you see that brilliant transition into like a, an inverted suplex. And he just back of Osprey into a choke hold, you know, into a sleeper hold. And it's good to be actually able to draw the match because, of course, we see a lot of McIntyre, a lot of Pete Dunne, but with Osprey and Zach Sabre Jr., maybe, you know, not enough. And now we're going to have like a half-hour match where you just sit and enjoy it and actually, you know, get to know the wrestlers a little bit more as well. And that's what we're going to try and look at as well for the rest of the year, try and catch up on the big moments and see what they do. And you can't get known bigger than facing each other for the um, Rev Pro title as well, you know, on the Magnificent Seven. Absolutely. So. It, it was my pick on the Cruiserweight Classic as well as that Sabre Jr. Way back when, about three years ago now. And Osprey was just a huge chop. This is ZSJ. Irish went for the drop kick, but Zack Sabre Jr., just like that, managed to roll him up and then get him into a split. You think he's going to hit a crucifix pin, and he just switched it to the armbar. Again, the ring a little bit smaller than maybe people are accustomed to in WWE. It might give you a chance to get to the ropes, and that's what makes it even more impressive that Zack Sabre Jr. stopped Osprey in their last match as well. James, tell them we're fucking... Do they know who we are? Do they know that we are the WNR podcast and they can't be fucking working outside disturbing the show? <clears throat> I'll tell the butler to quiet them down as Zack Sabre Jr. now to be in control of Osprey. It's just... It's just... It's nice. It's nice wrestling. That's all I like. I like watching good wrestling, and that's ever since... W try to shut us down, all this lot. I thought, no, we'll still watch just the wrestling we want to watch. You know, it's, it's not just about the WWE. They've been out there with great wrestlers and British wrestlers as well. Guys we've seen. It made sense. And that's why we're doing the Magnificent Seven. Absolutely, yeah. We want to promote homegrown talent. About that. And the seven that we've picked, like I said, I argue with any wrestler in the entire world. Like I said, with Osprey. And now Zach Sabre Jr. Like just kicking away at Osprey. And I was just hulking up. I just knocked out Sabre Jr. After being toyed with for a little while. But I realised by that he dropped down after. He didn't just yeah. stay up and then just carry on his next move. And he's showing a wear and tear. And now Osprey into his act Sabre Jr. <laughs> Sabre Jr.'s like, well, hit me with everything you got. And looked like Osprey was going to slap him across the chest. But now it was a huge forearm to the jaw. 
And I don't think Sabre Jr. Uh, saw that coming. And now it's Osprey's kind of playing around the, the uh, tide has turned, so to speak. It's Osprey talking to Zack Sabre Jr. Saying, come on, hit me with what you got. And he hits him with two pump kicks. Osprey with like a <laughs> kick into a flip, and then a brain buster suplex. And Osprey's like, come on, I can feel it. Oh, we went for the Oz cutter. Zack Sabre Jr. had it scouted. Oh. Explode a suplex, but Osprey manages to roll through. Land on his knees, hit a step up in Seguri. And Osprey, I've never seen a guy with so much kind of agility and balance to be able to do that. And now the crowd is heating up, the match is going, they've got a feeling this could be it. He picks up Zack Sabre Jr. No, again. And Zack just turns it. And again, lovely bit of chain wrestling into a cover. Both men taking their uh, attempts at two counts. Well, two. It was the submissions, pins, and now neither man can get the job done. I don't think that is the referee. <coughs> I was tied up in a ring ropes. Normally follows up with a super kick to the face, but not for Sabre Jr. who has got a counter to everything and manages to jump onto the back of Osprey into a sleeper hold. He's got his whole body weight on the back of him, but Osprey pumps him up onto his shoulders, places Sabre Jr.'s head there. This time successful with a super kick. And the crowd getting behind Osprey. As both men turn this one up, Osprey going up. Oh, crutches, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. crutches him on the top though. Buys himself a little bit of time. We've not really seen much high flying uh, in this matchup. You know, they kept it all ground based and it's been an absolute zinger of a match. And now it's Zack's turn to try and take Osprey off the top. But like I said, this might favour Will. I've never seen a wrestler reverse more with submissions than Zack Sabre Jr. It seems every reversal he does is into a submission to hurt you. And again, he's got the hand and the arm. Well, there was no counter for that. And Osprey just powered him up face first into the mat. But again, Zack Sabre Jr. wisely rolling to the opposite end of the ring. Is that far enough? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> well, Osprey went at least three quarters across the ring. At least seven-eighths the way across the ring to catch Sabre Jr. And a huge drop kick. And Zack Sabre Jr. is in a bit of trouble now. Osprey... Beautiful super kick. Drops Zack to his back. Looks like Osprey's teeing up for the hidden blade. No, but Osprey, <laughs> he was playing possum. Hello, possums. And just goes to pick that ankle. Oh. But Osprey manages to get out. Now for the hidden blade. Oh, no. no. Sabre Jr. again counters it into a submission. But Osprey rolls through, powers him up. Sabre Jr. counter again. <laughs> Straight down. Oh. Fucking hell. <laughs> Oh, Osprey's cool. Zach's got him. He's folding back the arm. Oh, my God. Well, Osprey's left arm's locked up by the legs of Sabre Jr. His right arm is now in full control. And there is literally nothing <laughs> that Osprey can do. He couldn't even tap out if he wanted to. Oh. But again, pays dividends to the having a small ring and manages to get his foot to the bottom rope. <laughs> his only saving grace. He would have had to have tap out with his forehead. Zach Sabre Jr. now thinking, right, what can I do? I didn't get the job done. Still feeling the uh, wounds of war as well with the kicks right on target by Osprey. You can see the cogs turning for Zach Sabre Jr. He's like, what have I got to do to put this man away? And Osprey slowly gets to his feet. Well, he was until he got kicked in the chest, back down. Oh. But he sits up, hello Undertaker. Hello Undertaker. Zach Sabre Jr. saying, wait a minute, that wasn't right. Oh. A running punt. Drops him again. <laughs> but Osprey trying to psych himself up. 
sits up again, ducks the third attempt, but Zack Sabre Jr. ducks a step up in Seguri, catches Sabre's foot, <laughs> and now spinning heel kick to the jaw knocks Sabre down. When he takes it down, the reverse DDT, now he's looking to go up. The aerial assassin. Oh my god, shooting star press two. No. no. Sabre Jr. managing to kick out. Oh. And now he's going to look for the Oscar. Hits it. Oh. But Sabre Jr. tries rolling to the outside to Sanctuary. His arm gets grabbed by Osprey. Oh. oh. Springs up to the top rope for the Oscar. Go for the cover. One, two. <laughs> no. Zach manages to kick out. Oh. You can see he was, he was getting his shoulder up on instinct. More than anything. I don't know how. I don't know how he didn't get the job done then. Osprey's just giving his best shot to the champ, and the champ managed to kick out. Uh, well, Osprey still does have a few more things in his repertoire. Maybe Osprey just can't get the job done. Maybe he's never destined to be the Rev Pro champ. Or maybe the Rev Pro title is Osprey's White Whale. Ah. Oh, well, wait. Is that called Osprey? That Osprey managed to turn the pin. Well, I think all four shoulders were down <laughs> in that exchange. Oh, well, Zach went for the uppercut. Osprey caught him. Into a test of strength, but again, Sabre managing to counter everything with something. How the hell are these two men managing to... They seem to be connected to each other. I don't understand. What the fuck is that? (laughs) It's like he's doing things I've never even thought were possible. Wow. He had like a crucifix (laughs) locked in. He's now dropped it to the mat, and he's got Osprey tied up in... All sorts of fucking ways. And Osprey is fading fast. And what a performance. And again, Sabre Jr. not just happy with having the submission in. He's digging the elbow into the ribs. He's trying to do everything he can to put more pressure, more pain onto Osprey. And there's no doubt the rope saved him then. What an absolute war from Britain's... You know, like I said, the Magnificent Seven are not named for that for no reason. This is what these two are delivering... And they can produce absolute magic in the ring. I, I could watch this all night. There's no doubt about it. When these two guys and Zack Sabre Jr. now wondering what's left. And like I said, maybe he's just gonna, they're going to be wrestling for as long as they can. And Is there actually kick. a time limit on this match? <laughs> there is a time limit. No. So uh, tune in next week for the second <laughs> half of this match. And Zack with a huge kick. Sabre Jr. You see he's getting a bit cocky saying, come on up, you get our spray. A huge kick, but he just rolls Osprey through, rolls up to his feet, but gets caught. And again, a lovely exchange between the two. I think Osprey was looking for the Stormbreaker, Zack Sabre Jr. A Michinoku driver. Oh, again, trans to a triangle. <laughs> no just, wasted motion. Just got, uh, uh, unbelievable. Again, you'd normally see him power him up for a from a cross, uh, from a triangle, like power him up to a vertical base. But Sabre just went out the leg, drops him back to the mat. And then he comes down with the um, the elbows as well, which are absolutely vicious. They're banned in the USC. That's how dangerous those elbows are. And Osprey is still in this somehow, just trying to desperately get up. Looking to power Sabre Jr. up. Sit out powerbomb. <laughs> but no, Sabre Jr. Just when Osprey thinks he has a bit of a reprieve, Sabre Jr. just locks it in. He's got his arm tied up, just doing everything he can. Until Zach Sabre Jr. is putting hands behind his neck to... Keep the submission in, but also protect himself for getting pinned. But what the fuck is Osprey doing now? Well, he's climbing up <laughs> to the second rope with Sabre Jr. Locked in. Oh! And that relinquishes the hold. And I don't <laughs> think Sabre Jr.'s 
I don't think ZSJ is going to be coming back into a <laughs> triangle from that. Oh my god, folded up, folded up like the aforementioned accordion. Is that the hidden blade? The hidden blade, and now Osprey. Stormbreaker. Goes for the cover. Two, Two three. three. And Will Osprey is your new British heavyweight champion, your Rev Pro champ after seven long years. The dream has come true. The boyhood dream has come <laughs> true, James. Dan, what are your thoughts on that incredible match? That magnificent match. Absolutely brilliant. I'd give it seven <laughs> out of five. Now, these two guys, you, you know you know they're familiar with each other. And, you know, that kind of showed not in the way that they was working together, but the way they was able to counter each other and the way that they had to kind of go above and beyond what they normally would do in a match to get the one-upmanship on the other person delivered an absolute instant fucking classic. And if you've never seen this match before, I suggest you go and watch it. And it, it, you know, yeah, it's worth the price of admission alone. You know, it's six quid for Red Pro just to see this match is worth, you know, spending 20 quid on super showdown or something like that. Absolutely unbelievable. Like you said, the story built into it by Red Pro new Japan and ourselves, I would say, and then delivering in that kind of way, there is, there is not a match that I've seen that's not been on the kind of main shows that I thought is going to be a match of the year. This, for me, is up there as a match of the year candidate in the very early going. Like I said, Osprey and Zack Sabre Jr. gave you anything. You'll be very hard to find anything else like this this year, Dan. You think that- yeah, you know, this is definitely a match of the year candidate. And, <sighs> yeah, there is... Both of these guys are an absolute credit to Rev Pro to you know to what they can bring okay so we've been doing this for like nearly five years now and like I said I've never had a match before where every match you can kind of commentate on and you can kind of talk about but this one is one of those that they're kind of the transitions the constant kind of togetherness that they had was something that you have to see to believe in a way and I know that's bad to say on a podcast but the the transition from submission to move to submission to all this kind of stuff. Everything just made sense, you know. Absolutely, that yeah. It, um, you know, and you could see that both men. You could see they was, you know, trying to come up with ways to beat the opponent. They was, you know, they was thinking about, you know, well, I've done this before and he's countered it. So what, you know, I need to go one step further than anything I can do. Um, Osprey, you know, he came out of his usual aerial assault and he did match Zack Sabre Jr. move for move on the ring. Yes, everything that Osprey done, it was getting countered by Zack Sabre Jr. But that's just an even bigger credit to what ZSJ can do in the ring. But Osprey, you know, he went there with Zack Sabre Jr. and he came out victorious. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Well, post-match, Osprey thanked his parents, trainers, oh, no, and called our fellow new champion, Shaw at Oku, to show that Red Pro has started a new revolution in British wrestling. Dan, as well as a British heavyweight champion, can they, we talk, mentioned earlier, can they surpass NXT UK? Can they be as big as competition as we've got as Os- with Osprey as champ? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, if they had the kind of level of exposure that NXT UK had gifted to them, then, yeah, you know, they'd be head and shoulders above them. Description yeah. is available to Rev Pro and New Japan if you want to see them both, both about £6 a month. Definitely worth it. 
Uh, even in the agreement that they got, RevPro had the match from Japan as well, put on from New Japan, and I've said a lot of stuff as well. And also, after one little hiccup at the start, Rev, look, it streamed, it did all right, didn't it? Do you know what I mean? Showed its way Absolutely through. brilliant, yeah. Yeah, so fair play to that. Yeah, so we don't know what is next for Zack Sabre Jr., but let's just go into New Japan Pro Wrestling. We're just watching the world, and we just seen John Moxley uh, defend his title against Minoru Suzuki. And of course, you know, you can get New Japan as well on there, and of course, uh, John Moxley, the US, IWGP US champion. Well, Minoru Suzuki is uh, a bit pissed off at that. He's destroying everything on his way out. And Moxley just celebrating. And Minoru not happy. And, oh, wait a minute. ZSJ <laughs> just attacked Moxley from behind. He's going to give him a closer look of his US heavyweight championship. Uh, look how cocky Mo- uh, look how cocky Zack Sabre Jr. is now. Because part of the Magnificent Seven lift going after John Moxley. And he just jumps in his back, choking him out. A tight grip round the throat, legs wrapped round. Well, Zack Sabre Jr., annoyed that he lost his uh, British Heavyweight Championship, is now a target in the uh, US, US Championship. US Championship, a step up, maybe in the promotion itself. And Moxley is out. And what a statement by Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, going after AEW's arguably top man. <laughs> and Zack Sabre Jr. Got the championship over his shoulder. What a statement. You talk about how to respond from a defeat. Will Ospreay have responded from losing his IWGP junior heavyweight title by winning the uh, British heavyweight title. So that's how Junior lost it. And he's focused on Moxley. Dan, what are your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, it certainly is a huge statement made by ZSJ. And beating Moxley, I think it could elevate him quite a lot in the Magnificent Seven rankings when we come to do our refreshment of them. Well, just think the next time we're probably going to have a Moxie versus Zack Sabre Jr. match to watch as well when you talk about it. Oh, absolutely fucking mental. Well, when John, while John Moxie is an absolute treat seeing NJPW, his commitments to all elite wrestling prevent him from appearing overseas in the United States for NJPW. Well, where the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship should always be defended... Having Zack Sabre Jr. as a new champion would ensure that no tour of the United States would go without his key championship. Yeah, so imagine that. So Zack Sabre Jr., absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he's, um, his record is 4-10, and 10, which is not great. But, I mean, look what he's been doing, though, you know? Absolutely. So um, definitely making statements. His success is 3 out of 5. You know, it goes to reflect on his record of 4 uh, wins 10 losses yeah, performance though is 5 out of 5 is, is there anybody that's more enjoyable Zack Sabre Jr we talk about maybe better wrestlers but he's getting there you know what I mean like honestly fan- fantastic performances yeah but he's standing in promotion it's got to be a solid 4 out of 5 he's no longer the top dog but he's still barking at the heels of the top dog and especially when he's been you know like you talk about future fo- prospects as well 4 out of 5 John Moxley's a huge talent that NJPW have got to use and they're letting him <clears throat> they're letting Zack Sabre Jr. have his match and like I said the clash of styles there uh, absolutely brilliant so his total is 16 out of 20 uh, so thoughts just on Zack Sabre Jr. because we I mean we spoke about Will Ospreay as well but these two men absolutely brilliant you know well, the, my thoughts are, why did not the WWE use him correctly when he was kind of, you know, going through their systems? I think they're absolute fucking morons. But the man is an absolute talent. I don't think anyone on this planet could out-wrestle him, you know, move for move, period. Yeah, so we're out of that. So you can't really argue with the first four. Like we said, McIntyre winning the Rumble, Pete Dunne being as good he is, and, of course, NXT Tag Team Champion. And then you've got the British Union, uh, Will Ospreay, and then Zach Sabre Jr., who's got his eyes set 
on, of course, John Moxley. So up next, we will move on to number five. And that is Marty Skrull. So, yeah, number five is Marty Skrull. Well, the villain has not wrestled as much as the others on this list, but has been the busiest. This is what he's been up to. Okay, so we stop in on Ring of Honor. Well, Marty Skrull did more than just sign a new contract with Ring of Honor. He also signed on to being the promotion's head booker. Flip Gordon talked about his fellow Villain Enterprises member taking on more backstage power when he joined the Inc. Daily. Well, Marty is a very good businessman. I think whatever position he's put in, he's going to thrive. He's one of the most creative people I've ever met, and he's going to do wonders. Give him a chance, and I think you're going to be very proud of him, said Gordon. Look what he's done with Villain Enterprises. That's just on a micro level. Now he's got a whole company. Ring of Honor will be holding an upcoming free show called Free Enterprise, and Gordon talked about Ring of Honor's hoping to accomplish with this. We're just saying thank you for the support. Let's put on a free show and show them our new talent that they might not have heard of before. Come support us for so long and we want to give you the best possible show. It's just a thank you and you're going to get the best wrestling you can, said Gordon. I think any chance to create a buzz or get more exposure to Ring of Honor on our products and on superstars, I think it's something we should think of. As long as it makes sense, I'm all for it. Well, Marty School showed up at NWA's Hard Times, Hard Times pay-per-view to further his beef with Nick Aldis. Well, Monday night, January 27th, Skull dropped in on another Ring of Honor partner promotion and set a big match for his company's WrestleMania weekend event. At New Japan's New Beginnings USA show in Durham, North Carolina, the villain challenged the first NJPW talent announced for the Supercard of Honor, former IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental champion, Switchblade Jay White. Yeah, to say he's been busy would be an understatement since his news broke he signed with Ring of Honor and joined the booking team in the process. One aspect of his new deal was reportedly to build a relationship with other companies and with clear signs he's doing that with NWA and New Japan. And we talk about NJPW. Well, yes, New Japan Pro Wrestling continued their US tour as a Japanese promotion rolled into the Durham Armory in Durham, North Carolina. The 637 people in attendance witnessed Lance Archer and Jeff Cobb in action, along with the main event of Juice Robinson, David Finley, Yoshihashi, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Chase Owens, Jado, Tamatonga and Tangalaa. Well, however, the biggest moment of the night came when Mike Skull shot the crowd and appeared in New Japan for the first time in seven months. The villain has not competed in NJPW since Best of Junior Super Juniors were June 6th, 2019 team with Brody King in a losing effort against Katsuki Okada and Rocky Romero. At last night's show, Skrull challenged Jay White to a match at Supercard of Honor on April the 4th and confirmed this would not be the last time we see him back in a New Japan ring. Well, Skrull so far enjoyed a successful career in Japan, having previously been a member of the Bullet Club and then the Elite. He is a former IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion and never openweight six-man tag team champion with the Young Bucks. Well, Skrull's appearance since his new arrangement with Ring of Honor with whom he recently signed a new contract, while taking on the role of joint head booker. The villain also has the freedom to work for other promotions on dates which don't conflict with Ring of Honor shows. Like the NWA, Nick Aldis and Marty Skull are face-to-face. Well, this was a lengthy face-to-face private meeting with cameras. Nick Aldis tried to understand why Marty Skull was coming after the World's Heavyweight Championship. Aldis has always been supportive of Skull, both professionally and personally. They estranged their friendship at Crockett Cup 2019 when Skrull challenged Aldis. At the end of that match, they embraced like brothers. Now Skrull is back trying to take what Aldis has worked so hard for. Well, Skrull replied by whining about never being a world champion. He felt like a failure when he lost to Aldis. Skrull believes he can beat Aldis. He wants his big moment and career-defining achievement. Well, Aldis dictated the terms for their rematch. It will be a one-year anniversary of their previous encounter for Crockett Cup 2020. 
big money Marty has said this match is not about the money. So Aldis wants Skrull to put his money where his mouth is. If Skrull loses, then he has to cut a personal check to the fans for a money-back guarantee on their tickets. How bad does Skrull really want this match? Aldis excited the scene exited the scene while Skrull was silent in thought. Yeah, so what a great kind of moment it was between these two, and the NWA has announced that the Crockett Cup pay-per-view will be held on Sunday, April 19th in Atlanta, Georgia, at the Gateway Centre Arena. It was also announced that Nick Aldis first for the NWA Championship will take place at that same event, and I can announce right now that our next Magnificent Seven update that we'll do we will bring you the NWA World Heavyweight Championship match for the very first time, NWA on the WNR, and we'll bring you Nick Aldis versus Marty Skull. Well, the announcement was made on the premiere of the NWA Squared Cir- Circle Squared show on Tuesday night. The venue is home for the WNBA's Atlanta Dream and is listed as holding 3,500 for basketball and 5,000 for concerts. Something tells me that the NWA won't be the only pro wrestling company running their impressive looking venue, which opened in November 2019. But could AEW be next? Well, there might be a chance that Skrull could work something out with AEW. He's able to work with the NWA and NJPW as well. Skrull certainly raised a lot of eyebrows when he uploaded an image to his Instagram story of himself with some old friends. We're not sure when this image was taken, but it reminds us of old times. Mike Skrull seemingly had a place carved out for him in AEW if he decided to join them. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens down the line. The fact that the villain uploaded this image gives us the impression that he hasn't forgotten about his old elite friends. Yeah, so we talk about his record quickly. It's not been great. It's three and two. Yeah, that takes his success to a three out of five. And, of course, his performance, because he's not been wrestling a lot, a three out of five as well. His standing in promotion is a five out of five. They certainly see him as a top draw within the company's that he's in <laughs> exactly and that's why his future prospects are so bright as well we talk about one guy in one promotion Marty Skrull has made his name across three and maybe even four as well so total 16 out of 20 but thoughts on Marty Skrull I mean we talk about our number one is McIntyre winning the Royal Rumble but Marty Skrull is probably doing the best thing he can right now as well kind of going around and, and making a name and making these matches it's a great time to be Marty Scott. It's come at the right time for him, hasn't it? He's made the right decision. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that the fact that NJPW and NWA and Ring of Honor are giving him kind of like the freedom to do what he wants is to say, look, you know, you could go to AEW and you could be like, you know, mixing in with the elite and having, you know, mid-card ma- matches. But you could stay here and you could go across any promotion you want. You could have be head booker, you know, you could have everything in your hands whereas over on AEW is bigger fixture or feature as you are here mm. but this is a thing as well and this is what you know maybe they're going to realize because promotions haven't done this for years if you put ego out the way and you have like Mike Skull and you have New Japan imagine like a pay-per-view with NJPW NWA Ring of Honor and AEW all together on that and you talk about a competition for WWE you know that's like, like that's what the original NWA did was have these promotions under their belt and Mike Skrull wants to be a champion you can imagine him you talk about success you know future prospects you can imagine him with the NWA championship you can imagine him Ring of Honor being world champion if he so wants his, his teammate at the moment uh, PCO is uh, Ring of Honor champ but you know you can imagine him going to these places and having a successful run the future you know, talk about these guys. Mike Skull, the future is so bright for him right now, isn't it? You know, absolutely. Yeah, you know, he has as the words. You know, in the words of Bray Wyatt, the whole world in his hands. Mm. Without a doubt, you know, it's his saying. Like we said, 
the most similar is McIntyre because with McIntyre he's got big things ahead and Mike Skull could have a huge 2020 and who knows Dan in three months time when we drop him in the rankings he might have shut up the list you know like I said he's not been in action a lot and uh, he could seriously contend with the the top couple of slots it's anybody's game at the moment and like I said we'll find out who's number one at the end of the year uh, so that is Mike Skull and next we move on to number six Yes, and that's Tyler Bate. He's undefeated in singles action and picked up a win at TakeOver Blackpool 2, two. versus current cruiserweight champ and huge-headed Devlin, but lost his biggest match at Worlds Collide versus DIY and not being high-profile enough. I think that's his problem, you know. Uh, so let's check him out and NXT UK. So we move on to NXT UK, and you have to keep the shelves stocked with so many places to wrestle under the WWE umbrella today. The company has to keep things he can't leave the same wrestlers having the same matches over and over again, meaning some things need to change from time to time. That means occasionally bringing in some new wrestlers, which is what WWE has done. Well, WWE has a lot of different television shows with a lot of different rosters at various times. Some of these are a lot more successful than others, but one of the newer ones is doing rather well. That would be NXT UK, which recently went to a tie with NXT at Worlds Collide Special, and it is clear that some things are picking up for the show, and now they have some fresh blood. Well, as announced on WWE.com, five new talents have been signed to NXT UK. These names include tag teams of Pretty Deadly, which is Sam Stoker and Lewis Howley. Candy Floss. Danny Luna and Levy Muir. Yes, Stoker, Hawley and Floss have all appeared on NXT UK, though mainly as enhancement talents. There's no word on when they'll be making their debuts as regular wrestlers on the show. I know you're a fan of Candy Floss and I'm a, I'm a fan of eating them. So let's get on to NXT UK then. And January 30th, and when Wells Collide, we'll see footage from earlier today where Morgan Flash Webster and Mandrews recruit Dave Mastiff for their six-man tag team main event tonight. We had Danny Birch and Only Larkin defeating The Hunt, Primate and Wild Boar via pinfall. Yeah, in a battle between the two hard-hitting pairs, Larkin and Birch got some early success with big forearms and uppercuts. Upper what? On Boar and Primate, Larkin worked over Wild Boar with an abdominal stretch made famous by Wilbur Schneider back in the 30s until he bit the wrist of Larkin, allowing him to tag him Primate. Missed shoulder charge, brought in the Brit and brought back into it. And after a few minutes, I hope from the Hunt, one uppercut, upper what? and an elevate DDT later, Birch and Larkin ended up victorious. We see an interview from Wells Collide with Tony Storm being asked what went wrong. She said that Katie Ray is in her head and that issue has to end. We saw a vignette that Ophi Valkyrie will be debuting in two weeks. Eddie Dennis makes his way to the ring to cut a promo. He shows a footage of him powerbombing Trent Seven to the outside at NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool and brags about his actions. Trent Seven interrupts and calls Dennis a liar and a cheat, bringing up the exposed turnbuckle from the match. He challenges Eddie Dennis to a Four Corners of Steel street fight match where all the turnbuckles are uncovered. Dennis tries to cheap shot Seven, but he sends him packing. Tyler Bate was set to talk at the UK Performance Centre, but Aikid interrupts to gush about his match at UK TakeOver. Bate offers to face him next week, which Aikid excitedly accepts. Eated Nina Samuels via pinfall. Well, the two compare athleticism at first until Nina Samuels slams Isla Dawn down to the mat by a hair. Samuels overpowers Dawn, but Isla fights back with a quickness. She misses a charge and pays for it, getting a handspring kick, knocking Dawn off the apron. Samuels continues to walk over Dawn, but a missed knee brings Isla Dawn back into it. Dawn utilizes some quick kicks and goes up top for the meteor, connecting with a follower and that up with a half Nelson suplex for the win. We see another interview from Wells Collide where Ia Dragunov talks about facing Finn Balor. He says Balor was one of his toughest opponents, but he needs to refocus as Joe Coffey is waiting for him, and he will not miss again. We hear from Danny Birch and A. Law, and they say they're there to beat people up and to throw them up. 
Birch says they want a chance at Gallus and asks Lorcan if he fancies a fight. Ridge Holland defeated Tyson T-Bone via pinfall. Well, the two brawl to open until Holland drops T-Bone with a big belly-to-belly suplex. Tyson gets in some power moves, but Holland hits a pair of headbutts and an Alabama slam. Holland drops T-Bone with a northern grit for the win. Nothing too special, eh? Imperium, Alexander Wolf, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barfell defeated South Wales Subculture, Mark Andrews and Flash Webster Morgan and Dave Mastiff via pinfall. Andrews and Barfell start with Barfell out-wrestling the high-flying Welshman, but Morgan Flash Webster gets a slide back in before it. Dave Mastiff powers the Imperium unit. Well, South Wales Subculture were in firm control until Alexander Wolf stopped Webster Morgan Flash's momentum with a brutal German suplex right onto the head of Webster. Imperium work over Webster until he flips over a shoulder charge to take in that to tag in Dave Mastiff. Well, Mastiff cleans house, flattening eight night with a Finley roll and a senton. Mandrews and Webster hit stereo dives and Master hits a Liger style roll and senton off the apron. Volta tries to interfere but gets dropped by Mastiff. But this causes a distraction so Barthow and Knight can hit their rocket launcher brain buster combination for the win. And we move on to the February 6th episode of NXT UK and it makes history as two men go to war in a... Sh- where Steel is exposed in every corner. Well, Piper Niven defeated uh, Danny Luna via pinfall. The powerhouse used their strength advantage to combat the new NXT signing. Flattening over a crossbody for locking her in a Cobra clutch. Danny tried to battle her way through, but eventually fell to the Piper driver for the win. Well, Gallus talk about only Lorcan and Danny Burch challenging him last week and pretty much accepts the offer from the 205 Live duo. The big-headed Jordan Devlin also spoke about winning the NXT Cruiserweight title, saying he's told everyone they wasn't just the best in the UK. He's here to prove it. And our next match is Tyler Bate versus A-Kid. Yes, yeah, so number six on the list. And like I said, we talk about the other guys. They seem to be treated more like stars. There's no doubt Tyler Bate is a great wrestler, but he's, is he being treated like he should really in NXT UK? I don't know. Again, it's someone that they're going with a slow build for. You know, they're not pushing him straight into the limelight, and he certainly has got the talent to succeed. Well, we're going to see how he gets on, and this is going to be the most probably interesting matchup that we've seen on the podcast today. Of course, young A Kid, who uh, is a huge fan of Tyler Bate, there's no doubt about that. We'll see how he goes, and of course, there's no doubt that Bate, fantastic competitor. So what has Bate got then that maybe the other wrestlers on the, the list hasn't got, as we've seen so far? Do you think he's got more strength? I mean, excluding, obviously, McIntyre, you know, when you talk about Um that. I think he is, he's got the highest strength-to-weight ratio. You know, his, for the size of him and for, you know, what he, for who he is, he is the most strongest person, pound for pound. Yeah, I think I would agree, yeah. Um, you know, he has got exceptional talent. He's kind of... Not been propelled in the way that Pete Dunne has, you know, says oh, he's the man that was the inaugural NXT UK champion. I think that's kind of been the pinnacle of his career so far. Um, I'm not sure with his teaming with Trent Seven. I don't know, you know, I don't know where that's kind of leading. You know, these two guys, if they do go anywhere, it will be together. But as a tag team unit, I think if Tyler Bate needs to succeed, he needs to kind of take himself out of the tag team mentality yeah I, I think what bait might might work for him and we we've seen it with i think everybody else on the list a little bit more of a cockier attitude a little bit more of a kind of hill because bait to my thinking has been a face throughout his entire run and i think that kind of imagining with like a zack saber junior type attitude i think that might work for bait because he has got moves that he could do that are quite impressive that maybe he doesn't get a chance to show off again he's there being put in a match against a young guy because he knows 
people know he can have a good match in a way, you know? Absolutely. You know, it might not be Tyler Bates' best match, but it's going to be the best, mate that a- best match that a kid could ever have. Yeah. So I think sometimes he might be a disadvantage, especially the champion. I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the match between Volta and Tyler Bates was, was my match of the year. It was in- incredible stuff, you know. Will we maybe get a chance to see that again? I'm not sure. But does this kind of start... That sow the seeds of a cocky Tyler Bate because you know this young lad who just went up to him and said look you know I really admired your match I was watching intently I think you're a huge talent give me a match no, hopefully I mean it's, it's different we were going to see one or two I think he needs to be used to um, the fullest potential if you've got someone like Tyler Bate he needs to be in the main event you know there's not enough apart from Volta maybe there's not anybody really on that level look at the, the Gallus aren't you know no offence to them have we seen that with Joe Coffey Bate definitely is but yeah, you know, his talent, the way he transitions into moves, you know, just the little things he does, like the bait and switch and the uh, back of the neck bounce off the ropes, you know, it is something that you get excited when you watch it because, you know, he's building up a bit of momentum and it is fun. But he is getting shown a few things by this A-Kid. Well, bait has to help train A-Kid so you can see the stuff that he's got has kind of come into play there. And... Uh, it, it's a bit difficult after watching the Osprey-Zack Sabre Jr. match to go to this... It's still great stuff for the two men and bait there just catching a kid. Lovely belly to bed overhead throw as well. Just showing the strength he's got. Nips up. But gets caught by a kid into a triangle. Let's see how he transitions out of this. See if he can do anything that Will Ospreay can't. And bait does manage to power up a kid. He's got him on his shoulders now. We know what this means. Airplane spin. He went the one way. Came back the other. But a kid might have an upset victory. No, he didn't. Bait managing to kick out. Ah. And then A-Kid drop kicks him out of the ring. And that was impressive by A-Kid there, managing to go off the top. Sprang up there, hit the moonsault, took out Bait at ringside. There's no doubt if A-Kid get the victory here, it'd be a huge upset. Might have to consider seven ratings next year. Absolutely. Well, you know, we can see how he progresses, see if he can uh, take the spot of anyone else. And it was great agility to the outside, wasn't it? So he's going to do the same thing coming in now. Up to the top, but gets stopped mid-air by a dropkick from Tyler. Oh, my days, hey. that huge rebound lariat. Tyler Driver. You can see the little cocky smile as well to say, look, you know, you gushed over me. That's what you're getting. Well, yeah, we saw that rebound lariat. And the Tyler Driver 97 gets the job done. Gets Aikid. What do you think of that match? I think Aikid did quite well on that one. Yeah, I think he certainly put up a good performance. You can definitely see, you know, that he was trained by one of the greats British wrestling has to offer. Without a doubt, you see the sign of respect there. And then post-match, Joseph Collins interrupts, talks about being on a takeover before, and looks locks eyes with Tyler Bates. I wonder if these two are going to have trouble. Oh, wow. We see footage from last week as Dave Mastiff is on the hunt for Walter. We get Oliver Carter and Ashton Smith defeating Pretty Deadly via pinfall. Well, Ashton Smith uses his power to take control over Howley and Stoker until a stop Pretty Deadly in phone control. Stoker and Howley work over Smith until he sends both men to the outside and gets the hot tag to Carter. Oliver Carter runs wild and he picks up the victory, but they keep up that momentum as Carter hits a big spinning heel kick in the corner and an electric chair, Ushi Garoshi, for the win. Post-match, pretty deadly attacks Smith and Oliver. I drugging off his ass about Joe Coffey at the WUK Performance Centre. He says if Coffey says his days is numbered, he better count fuck. NXT UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray comes out to the ring. She says they can keep throwing everyone at her and she'll keep coming out on top. She says she understands why Tony Storm is obsessed with the gold as it brings power and control. 
Storm interrupts and says, KLR stole the win from her. Okay, the race says, Tony's addicted to the title, so she will give her her own intervention by making her say, I quit. She makes an I quit match for her title, but if Tony Storm loses, she doesn't get another shot, whilst Katie Ray is champion. Our next match is a steel corner street fight. Trent Seven defeated Eddie Dennis via pinfall. Well, Trent Seven rushes to the ring and dives at Eddie Dennis, immediately taking this outside. Seven lights up Eddie with chops until Dennis throws Seven into the steel steps. He tries to hit Seven, bridge off the steps into the crowd, but Trent counters with a DDT onto the steps. Well, Dennis throws Seven hard into Barry Cade, then hits a Seven bridge over the barrier onto the steps for a near fall. Dennis avoids the exposed buckles, but gets a snapdragon suplex on the outside. They brawl around the arena, including an insane bridge Birmingham Birmingham off the announce table through another table. Trent Seven misses a twist in Senton on the outside, and Eddie grates Trent's face across the exposed turnbuckle. Two, the two exchange big hits, and Seven throws Dennis into the exposed buckles, following up with a Birmingham for the win. So we move on to our next episode, February 13th. We get no cold open straight into the intro song, which is dusted by Astro Boys. Aiden English welcome us to another edition of NXT UK. Today's show takes place from Barbican, England. Show opens with women's division action. Afoe Valkyrie makes her debut against Amale. So it's Aoufi Valkyrie versus Amelie, and Valkyrie sweeps Amelie's legs and connects with a standing moonsault for a near fall. Valkyrie goes for an arm lock, but Amelie creates separation by yanking at her hair. Referee and Amal argue over the hair pulling. Valkyrie takes advantage with Pele kick and a heel kick in succession. Valkyrie climbs to the top, flying axe kick, and that will do it. She wins by pinfall. Yes, cut to backstage with Travis Banks, and Banks said he failed to win the cruiserweight title at Worlds Collide, but plans to keep fighting here in NXT UK. Alexander Wolfe interrupts and says that Imperium was the talk of Worlds Collide after defeating the Undisputed Era, and berates Banks for being a failure to the brand. Banks comes back at Wolf and says he's just riding the coattails of the NXT UK champion Volta. Wolf didn't like that and leaves. Well, next up, the bomber Dave Mastiff takes on Saxton Huxley. Yes, Huxley attacks quickly to put the pressure on Mastiff. Mastiff slows him down with a big chop, but Huxley nails a running knee. He dives, he drives his knees into the gut of Mastiff and bounces off the ropes. Mastiff barricades right through Huxley. Running senton connects, followed by a running power slam. Huxley to the corner, Mastiff in position, running cannonball! And this one is over, quick time. Yeah. Tony Storm has shown signing the contract for an I Quit title match with Kaylee. The commentary tells us that Ray has already signed. The Grizzled Young Vets promo gives some praises William Regal for being a better general manager than the UK's Johnny Saint and Sid Scala, then begins mocking them. We get a quick interview with Joseph Connors. Commentary reminds us that they'll be squaring off next week's episode against Tyler Bates. Well, Gallus music hits and the tag champs accompany Joe Coffey to the ring. He'll be facing off against Amir Jordan. Well, the fans try to rally Jordan to break free after getting caught in an arm bar. He does. Jordan builds up momentum. Head scissors sends him to the outside. Suicide dive from Jordan connects. He quickly throws Coffey back inside. Jordan goes to the centre, but Coffey gets his knees up. Knees up, Mother Brown. Glasgow sends off, followed by the big discus lariat, and Coffey is the winner. Well, post-match, Coffey calls out Ian Druganov. He's still upset about... The rod. <coughs> well, post-match, Coffee calls out Ear Dragunov. He's still upset with the wild Russian for what transpired at Takeover Blackpool Two. Two. Coffee then guarantees that Wolfgang and his brother Mark will be victorious in today's main event, which is next after a commercial. So it's Gallus versus Danny Birch and only Lorcan. And Coffee and Birch tie up before Birch puts Coffee in a headlock. Wolfgang comes in and takes Birch down. Gallus double up on Birch to keep him away from Lorcan. Eventually, the tables turn. 
Lorcan and Birch hit tandem offence on Coffey. Birch rocks in with an uppercuts in the corner, but Coffey responds with a corkscrew uppercut, then takes the tag to Wolfgang, who then locks in a shoulder hold. Lorcan tags in and unloads uppercuts in one corner. Wolfgang locks Birch off the apron and Gallus isolate Lorcan as Wolfgang hits a flying leg lariat for two. Two back and forth striking between Wolfgang and Lorcan. Wolfgang wins the exchange until Wolfgang misses a moonsault. Birch back in. He knocks Wolfgang from the apron, then drops coffee with back elbows. German suplex from Birch. All four men in the ring now. Lorkin with a running blockbuster. Hits. Gallus is able to dump Lorkin. They hit the Enziguri power slam combo on Birch. Cover and it is over. And Gallus is standing tall when they Dragunov runs out to even the odds. Low he has a flurry of offense. Gallus' numbers are too much. And they beat down Dragunov. And we move on to the February 20th episode of NXT UK. And on the latest episode, I Dragunov reigns supreme over Gallus Iron King. Tyler Bate bested Joseph Collis. Ginny made a bold statement to the W Universe. And Noam Dar showed his mettle against Josh Morrow. So we start off with Tyler Bate versus Joseph Connors. Yeah, Joseph Connors may have challenged takeover Tyler Bate in order to demonstrate that he is worthy. And of course, we are trying to concentrate on Tyler Bate. Is this a step up in competition to what A-Kid was, down with Joseph Connors? Um, I believe so, yeah. You know, Joseph Connors is a more established talent. He's, uh, he's certainly not top of the card and not quite there yet but he's trying to build himself up and get himself some momentum yeah, like I said Tyler Bates will be featured every takeover the UK have done and of course he's featured in uh, a couple of American ones as well and at Wells Collide but again talk about more high profile Bate just going around doing his job as a member of the team not of the kind of I don't know if he's a standout really at the moment of course I think you know the Imperium and Gallus probably taking more centre stage well, a quick exchange between the two straight out the gate and uh, Tyler Bates ducking everything Joseph Connors has to offer. As soon as the uh, bait and switch goes up, though, Connors ducks out the way as quickly as he possibly can. And Connors saying he's got eyes on him, so he's going to be watching for Tyler Bate. And the fans are certainly behind Tyler Bate. I think this is kind of what's helping Tyler Bate, obviously, not get pushed straight into the limelight. They're going to be a slow build with Tyler Bate. And he's certainly garnering a lot of momentum throughout his... Uh, NXT time as well. Yeah, I, I think you could argue that Tyler Bate is the most loved of the, all on the Magnificent Seven. Like the, the the love he gets in NXT UK, it's a bit like Cody gets in AEW. They're just fans absolutely loving. There's no one booing Tyler Bate when he comes out there, hundred percent behind him, aren't they? You know, absolutely positively, yes. Um, and again with Tyler Bate, you know, they, you can see that they're protecting him with. Uh, with the tag team matches, nine times out of ten, it's normally Trent Seven that eats the pin. Unfortunately for him. But, you know, I think that Trent Seven's kind of accepted that Tyler Bate is the main talent. Hence, he's the one that won the uh, inaugural NXT UK title championship. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, Bate has been there and done that. I mean, it'd be interesting what they say. Of course, Trent Seven and his partner picking up a huge victory against Eddie Dennis and rectifying a takeover travesty. But, you know, like I said, when the matches really matter, Bate, in the past year or so, hasn't come out on top of that. So, he's definitely going to look to in 2020. There's no way he wants to be sixth on the list. He wants to be up there as well. You know, we talk about manoeuvres. There's no doubt Bate can do it at the ring. It's just depending on what, you know, is planned for him. Oh, you know, you get the PWI top 50. That doesn't matter. It is the WNR's Magnificent Seven is the only list that matters. Oh, and Bate there was going to look for a, maybe a flip, but Connors caught him on a turnbuckle, pushed him off, went to the outside and onto those mats. Those wafer-thin mats, James. How thin are those mats? They're just mere millimetres thick. You know, these are, these are slightly thicker than your average kind of... Uh, non-top promotion wrestling organisation, but they're still thin, they're still unforgiven, they're still on concrete. 
And Tyler Bate gets sent face first into the edge of the ring apron as well. So if we look at the NXT UK setting now, I think the Red Pro one looked more impressive. Am I wrong or right? Um, I do like the professionalism of having the barricades kind of covered with the black cloth. And I do like, you know, with this, you can see that 100% of the focus is on what's going on in the ring. You know, the fans are kind of darked out and it is spotlights in the middle, which, you know, that is impressive. I think the size of the uh, Rev Pro one seems a lot grander. This seems a bit more intimate. <coughs> and this is the thing we're trying to say as well as how much wrestling is available in the UK. Will it be local guys that's worthwhile to go and see as well? Or is it people like NXT UK that are on tour, you know, doing the tapings or New Japan that are coming as well? And Connor's now has got a bit of control on bait. And it's another guy who, you know, gets a victory tonight. It's a huge uh, stepping stone. In NXT UK, you know, you talk about the no secondary championship. Beating Tyler Bate is as good as that at the moment, isn't it? Because of his name, basically. Absolutely, yeah. You know, if you want to, if you want to step in stone, Tyler Bates certainly is the man to go over. Uh, I think Joe Coffey kind of had that momentum and build starting off with when Pete Dunne, but I think that's kind of lost all uh, regard now. Mm. I, I think so as well. As we see, Connor's working on the neck, but the thing is about Tyler Bates, he can do so much in the ring. But what does Joseph Connors bring to the table? He's kind of a, a relatively unknown to the WNR podcast. We've not seen too much of him. Well, he's been in the uh, UK <laughs> tournament. Uh, we've seen bits and pieces of him. He's just trying to find his kind of way, really. You know, he's more, a guy that's not really had the break yet, more enhancement talent. And we'll see if he can do it. That's the thing with NXT UK. It's still only an hour long as well. So you've only got a certain amount of time. But you can definitely make, you know, if he puts in an impressive performance even in this one. Maybe he have a chance. You know, he's had the guts to call out Tyler Bate. Bate got a submission, tried to Tyler driver, but Connor's managing to reverse. Yeah, follows Bate into the corner, but Bate gets his leg up and uh, kind of gets some separation between him and Connor's. Enough separation for him to hit a diving corkscrew uppercut off the second rope. And again, I suppose if you want to prove that you're worthy of challenging Volta for the UK Championship, then you have got to go through Tyler Bate, the man who's probably put the most impressive performance in against the champ. Yeah, without a doubt, like I said, he is the man. People have stepped up trying to get the job done as Bate now hits a standing shooting star but only gets a two. Two. You see Bate's uh, got the strap on his shoulder as well so he's not 100% at this moment in time. So Tyler kind of, you know, these people coming out challenging him. Tyler's, you know, they're lining up but he's knocking them down. Is that kind of proving that he's instead... You know, worthy to challenge Walter again. Yeah, I hope see that. You know, I, I think that'd be the match. Bate hopefully finally getting uh, the victory that he needs to get back on top. But I think it's the first time I've ever seen someone reverse that move. Yeah, the aeroplane spin and uh, Baxlife and Joseph Connors into a pin attempt. Bate managing <laughs> to kick out. Oh. They both man up with Bate and switch into a roll up, but no. Only a two. Two. You mean we're doing that for 275 episodes? <laughs> still hasn't got boring. No, it still hasn't, to be fair. And James, you know what? Over these 270 odd episodes, Randy Orton is still tight and ripped. He is still after all this time. And now we're finally doing the Magnificent Seven and Bait. He's looking to put away Joseph Connors and show that he deserves to be at least be in sixth. At least fifth place. <laughs> Bait managed to land on his feet not once, but twice. Ducks a close iron attempt. The old rebound lariat. But Connors managing to duck it and turn it into a move of his own. Well, that was innovative by uh, the young man there. Now he's got bait in position, looking to go up. Of the second. Well, I don't even think if bait stayed there, that he would have hit. <laughs> but Connors off with a moonsault. 
Tyler Bate trying to recover as quickly as he can, but um, Connors has certainly taken it out of him. I would like to see, and I think that is the only thing, aggression is maybe Bate. I want to see someone bring that out of him. I think Pete Dunn did in a way, you know, that kind of aggressive style. We don't see that enough. If we managed to do that, I think it would be no stopping him. But even still, impressive as he's going up. <laughs> well, Bate off the top, managing to uh, avoid offence with a roll and then a leapfrog and then another roll. And then Connors eliminates Bate from the Royal Rumble, looking to go flying. Takes out Bate, but doesn't drop him. Throws him back in the ring. Oh, my God. And a flat line, a layer, springboarded in. Two. No. no. Bate managing to kick out. Uh. And you can see the way Tyler Bate positioned himself. Because, obviously, he wasn't in the correct position for Tyler Bate. And Bate kind of moved himself into position to kind of help Connors out. Well, and that's how great. See, look, you know, he gets up right in position for it. There's no doubt about it. Tyler Bate makes the list. You know, there's people who's not on the list. People like, you know, Naam Doha maybe would have been on the list a couple of years ago. And it just shows you the talent that is out there at this moment. Yeah, I think Tyler Bate certainly is a ring genius. You know, even at his young age, he can read a match. You know, it's he'd be going against blokes nearly twice his age and he'd still be calling the match. Yeah, he'd yeah, still yeah. be, you know, running the plays. He'd still be doing it his way. And I think that's all. I think that... When we look at all the talent here, you know, on the Magnificent Seven, you know, you could argue who's, you know, maybe Marty Skull or you know, Drew Max are maybe not the best for us, but still they are great wrestlers in their own right and they bring different things that the other guys do. And Bate just shown his toughness now. Well, certainly with uh, Drew McIntyre, he's not your traditional British wrestler type. No, exactly, yeah. And that's what that makes him stand out, you know, like kind of the villain and everything that he's doing at this moment in time. Bate... The kind of just a plucky baby face that you got. So that Saber Junior, the kind of cocky technical guy. Will Osprey again is just something completely different. One of the world's best. And now Bate look for the Tyler driver. No, Connor's managing the backslide, trying to escape out of the ring. Bate grabbing the leg gets pushed. As Tyler's turn to go flying, doesn't go through oh. the second rope. Goes straight over the top and misses him by a mile, <laughs> but still hits his mark. That is beautiful. That is incredible by Tyler Bate. Throws him in. No. Drop toe hold. Sends Bate face first into a steel chair. And the referee saying, no, he's not going to disqualify him. It matters. <coughs> and now Connor's now back. Oh, my word. False Bate up. No. One, two. No. Fortunately enough, Tyler Bate managing to kick out. Uh, well, that looks like it hit then with Bate hitting the chair. Connors now get frustrated, trying to put Tyler Bate away, but it's easier said than done. Well, I think this is certainly giving um, Joseph Connors a, a run for it. You know, he's certainly getting his bang for his buck, shall yeah. I say. But you said it earlier, you know, Tyler Bate has a great match, but this will be Joseph Connors' greatest match ever because Tyler Bate's involved. Absolutely, yeah. He hit the, uh, the rebound into a lariat. Tyler Driver, two, three. And Bate wins in a very, very competitive match. Like I said, a very, very good match as well. You see what Bate brings to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's Tyler Bate giving Joseph Connors a match that's going to get his foot onto the ladder. Because, <clears throat> you know, the higher-ups watching this are saying, look, you know, Tyler Bate managed to do this in the match. Yeah, we was expecting him to win. But Joseph Connors was also in the match. And he managed to take Tyler Bate very nearly to the limit. Without a shadow of a doubt. So good show by Tyler Bate. But what's next? We'll ask ourselves that in a minute. We'll carry on with NXT UK first. And Ginny refused to be disrespected 
Again, boldly interrupting the NXT UK proceedings. The outspoken Ginny steps onto the announce table to make it clear to the W Universe that the incident she was shown by a former associate proved to be the end of her time in the rising brand and she would never be disrespected again. Of course, that was Jazzy Gaber, who I think has left NXT UK now. Yes, well, a man who on next year's Magnificent Seven list, Noam Dar, he defeated Josh Morrell. And Dar may be nefarious, but his incredible ring skills cannot be denied. And that was a point he exhibited when he overcame a very game Josh Morrell with the Nova Roller. We had Aya Dragunov versus Joe Coffey, although he fought alongside Gallus in an ongoing struggle against Imperium. Aya Dragunov made accidental contact with Joe Coffey during Coffey's title clash against United Kingdom champion Volta NXT UK takeover Blackpool 2. Two. Which may have turned the tide of the high state. According to the Iron King, that meant that the mad Russian owed the Gallus firm a debt. Today, he was definitely out to collect when he battled Aya one-on-one in NXT's main event. Well, at the height of the intense showdown, Dragunov picked up a well-deserved free count by overcoming a brutal knee injury and drilling coffee with a tornado Moscow. At the same time that the Iron King was winding up to execute all the best for the Bells. As the dust cleared, Gallus' Mark Coffey and Wolfgang emerged and prepared to unleash retribution on Dragunov. But Joe Coffey halted the potential assault and informed his opponent that he had paid his debt and that matters were now settled. So we move on to the February 27th edition of NXT UK and we talk about the men, but what of the women? Britain's own Kaylee Ray defends against Tony Storm in an eye crit match. But we start with the grizzled young veterans defeating the hunt. Well, after making some disparaging comments at the expense of Wildborn Primate two weeks ago, the grizzled young vets found themselves in an all-out slugfest against the hunt. Despite the tag team aggression of their animalistic opponents, the first ever NXT UK tag team champions rove above and hit Ticket to Mayhem for the free count. Next match, Cassius Ono defeated Jack Stars. Jack Stars demonstrated tremendous speed and strength in his battle against Cassius Ono, but the wrestling genius taught him a lesson in technique when he made his prey tap out to the Cassius Clutch for another impressive win. A-Kid defeated Brian Kendrick. As captured in WWE.com exclusive last week, A-Kid approached the Brian Kendrick and attempted to express his admiration only to have Kendrick throw it back in his face. In a resulting matchup between the two superstars this week, A-Kid slipped out of the captain's hook and slingshot himself over the top rope with an earth-shattering DDT for the big victory. And now it's Kaylee Ray versus Tony Storm in an I-Quit match for the NXT UK Women's Championship. Hungry to finally regain the NXT UK Women's start from Kaylee Ray, Tony Storm pull it all on the line and agree first ever I-Quit match. Per a pre-match stipulation... A loss meant that Storm would not be allowed to challenge a Scottish title holder for as long as she was champion. So here we go, our only women's match on the podcast here today. And I'm sure, Dan, if Magnificent Seven becomes successful, we will start looking at British women as well. And at the moment, the one flying the flag highest, you would argue, <laughs> argue with, would be Kaylee Ray. Absolutely. I thought he was going to say Tony Storm, then I was going to c- come back with you. She's not British. No, she's not British, no. I was thinking maybe Nikki, I think Piper Niven. Piper Niven, Nikki Cross as well, you could say, on the main roster. But apart from that, you know, maybe not enough at the moment. But I think Kaylee Ray's um, exceeded your expectations, would you say, on NXT at the moment? Um, I think she has. You know, she's starting to... She still needs to do a little bit more to impress me, though. Well, hopefully she brings it. She wants to make Tony Storm say, I quit. This is going to be a very difficult matchup here. Who are you going to favour in this one, Dan? I can't go against Tony Storm, James. Well, Tony Storm, of course, is uh, former NXT UK Women's Champion. And of course, the uh, winner of the May Young Classic as well. <coughs> but Kaylee Ray has defeated Tony Storm 
before Nicholas, you can tell there's bad blood between the women. Absolutely, yeah. And Kaylee Ray's trying to back out and give herself a bit of reprieval. As soon as Tony Storm comes out, though, Kaylee Ray responds with a kick to the midsection, tries throwing Storm into barricade, but luckily enough, Storm manages to turn it around and throw Kaylee Ray into the barricade instead. It's <laughs> now Tony Storm sending Kaylee Ray into the ring post. And of course, like we said, we've seen a lot of Brits here tonight. We've seen uh, a couple of Americans, Delaney Lorkin and Matt Riddle, bro. Uh, and of course, in this match, we've got the Australian Tony Storm. So it'll be interesting to see what action. And of course, we've got a Canadian coming up in our next one, but that's not ruinous the hey. yet. Was that all about? A Canadian, eh? But Tony Storm has got Katie Ray. Do you think Tony Storm as NXT UK Women's Champion is the right move, Dan? I think it is, yeah. I think um, Tony Storm certainly got a lot more to offer than Kaylee Ray does. And then this kind of opens up the door if Tony Storm does get the victory for a potential feud with Piper Niven down the line, which, you know, I don't need to tell you, would be fucking epic. Yeah, without a shadow of doubt. I think, like you said, the winner of this will go on to face Piper Niven at some point for the Women's Championship, which I think will be a very interesting match. A lot of history between each woman and Piper Niven. That was lovely there. Kaylee Ray tried to springboard. Yeah, uh, but Tony Storm caught her off of it and just slammed her back into a lovely gut wrench German. Oh, and now she's going to look for the Storm Zero, but Kaylee Ray <coughs> blocking it. Going limp. So Storm transitioning. You know, this is a different Storm. Normally, Tony Storm absorbs what her opponent has to offer and then kind of responds later on in the match. But this is Tony Storm coming straight out the gates, hitting Kaylee Ray with a lot of offence. She knows she has to bring it here tonight. To get the job done, as Kaylee Ray struggling to get to that bottom rope, well, it doesn't really matter because it's an I quit match. Only one way to win. What's that, James? To say I quit. Oh well, you said it. I win. Oh. Yes. Bonus pay per view point for me. It looks like she's got moustache at the moment. The way the hair's wrapped around the face of Kaylee Ray. Looks like you've got moustache. The way your hair's wrapped around. No, no, I've got moustache. <coughs> and a moustache. I've got hair and a moustache. You believe that? I look just like Tyler Bate. Anybody wondering? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if in the car was crash. eaten by Trent Seven. Oh, very funny. Aha. We're focusing on the women now, Lowe's. Katie Ray got Tony Storm. Lovely tornado DDT there with the help of the ropes. <coughs> well, the fans uh, want tables at the moment in this match. Katie Ray's got vicious side to her, and we've seen it. And just grabbing her hair there, just kicking at the back of Tony Storm. Does not care about her well-being. Got no respect for her. Well, now I think as champion, it's kind of... Uh, Given Kaylee Ray a touch of arrogance that she might not have had before. And now she's looking for the gory bomb. And she put it along the top rope. Snapped the neck back. Both women trying to unload their big moves early on. And again now, stretching around the back. Of course, this made move made famous by Gory Guerrero. Not Wilbur Schneider. No, the father of Eddie Guerrero. The famous Guerrero family. And now Tony Storm using the ropes to advantage. Getting out of submission. Lovely octopus string the ropes. And then just sends Kaylee Ray tumbling over the top. Now what's Tony Storm going to get? She's looking for some uh, toys under the ring. And the fans chanting for tables. Tony Storm is going to give her adoring public exactly what they want. But Kaylee Ray certainly putting a stop to that. <clears throat> and a huge right hand there. You heard the impact. Sounded like a gun going off. Gives Tony Storm a chance to set up the table. What's the point of chart we want tables when there's tables out? I don't have a go at the UK fans, but... We've got tables. We've got tables. <coughs> now Kaylee Ray just rattles Storm's head off the apron. Well, Tony set the table up, but it looks like Kaylee Ray's going to be the one to use it. And she's got Storm in her sights, ready to superplex her off of the top, ta- or oh, the second rope. 
straight to the table to set up on the Storm using the headbutt. And now we've got Katie Ray trying to German suplex her off. And Katie Ray holding on for dear life. Oh, Tony Storm grabbing the leg. Bouncing Ray head first off the turnbuckle. Now Storm sets her up on the table. And she's looking to go up now. Storm off the second frog splash. I think Storm nearly went for a cover there. And she splatted down right onto Kaylee Ray. The table definitely broke there. Absolutely. positively But the damage done to Tony Storm, was it worth the risk of taking Kaylee? Well, I'm sure there's more damage done to Kaylee than there is Tony. And now Storm getting up on the eight from Kaylee Ray. And this could be the big difference here between the two. But the thing is, I mean, is there much difference between the male wrestling that we've seen and the women's wrestling now? There isn't, you know. Everyone's certainly full of talent here. Otherwise, they wouldn't... Uh... Otherwise, it wouldn't be <clears throat> on the brands that they're on. And, you know, you can see some great matches regardless of gender. And Tony Storm caught with a huge kick by Kaylee Ray. It's now graping DDT onto the way for Finn Mats. And Storm now, right on those, like you said, those way for Finn Mats. Maybe Tony Storm's put herself in a position in this match where it favours Kaylee Ray because she's a bit more sicker. She can get a little bit more darker. And now she's getting, what's that, tape? Looks indeed like a roll of tape. <clears throat> throws Tony Storm back in grabs hold of the tape looking to inflict some more punishment on Tony and I guess Kaylee Ray had a game plan before the match thought about what she's going to do she's going to tie the hands behind Tony Storm's back and the fans don't like it but there's nothing the referee can do we've seen this before Cactus Jack's been handcuffed and now what can you do no armed woman in an ass kicking contest and Kaylee Ray showing what she wants to do to continue being a champion well, is this likely to stop Tony Storm trying, though? Well, Tony Storm can't do anything. And Kaylee Ray saying her to quit, but she won't. This might be the tough to come haunt Tony Storm. Well, this is certainly a side of Kaylee Ray that we've uh, not seen. Well, this is what she wants to continue being a champion. And you see she goes to any lengths here. She grabs a chair. And Storm seriously needs to think about this. This could be the end. Well, she quit before she gets hit. Oh, a Storm with a headbutt. That's the only weapon she had, but she used it. Can she break free? Well, Kaylee Ray up. Delivers a kick to the knee and one to the face. Oh, my God. Kaylee Ray set the chair up with Tony Storm's head in it. Oh! Super kicks the chair that was wrapped around Storm's head. I was asking if she quit. She might be unconscious. You got it. Like I said, credit Kaylee Ray. I mean, Tony Storm talked a big fight, but she's definitely bullet in this one. And now she's got the chair right in the back of the neck. Well, this is brutal. I think Tony Storm's bleeding. To her. You can hear Storm crying in pain <clears throat> as Kaylee Ray sets Storm's head up in the chair. Oh my god, she's going to decapitate her. She's crushing Tony Storm. Oh, here comes Sid Scarlett and Johnny Saints saying enough's enough. Oh! There's definitely going to have to be some internal bleeding here for Tony Storm. Well, Storm's not giving up. This is, this is not good. And Kaylee Ray now going up. And Piper Niven's making her presence felt. Oh! even seen her best friend get destroyed by Kaylee Ray. But Tony Storm still won't quit. And Niven's had enough. Niven's saying to Storm, please quit for me. And Piper Niven encouraged Tony Storm to quit. <clears throat> and she did. And Kaylee Ray gets a, well, an awesome victory. It was, yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, you can't discredit Tony Storm's uh, strength to try and continue as much as she could. But... Kaylee Ray taking it to the darkest side that we've seen Kaylee Ray take it to. 
in NXT UK. Well, when you want a hill champion defending their title, that's how you build a champion like that, isn't it? You know, with defences. And Tony Storm can move on now to maybe NXT or whatever. Kaylee Ray looks like a badass, and it sets up a meaning and a meeting with Piper Niven. So I think job well done there for everybody involved. Absolutely, yeah. So, that is it for NXT UK. We just got a little bit of news. News! Of course, during NXT TakeOver Portland, we announced the next NXT UK's big show. It will be NXT UK TakeOver Dublin on April 26th at the Dublin Arena in Ireland. Well, the UK brand will hold their next set of tapings in Coventry on March 6th and March 7th for Planet Ice Arena, in which they will record episodes all the way up until Dublin. Well, NXT staff in Balor... Looks set to take on a greater role closer to home as they'll be announced earlier today on Twitter that the Prince will be appearing in commentary on both day of the taping. Well, WWE wrote, don't miss a special appearance from Finn Balor or NXT UK Coventry on 6th and 7th of March. Finn Balor is WWE NXT. Yes, yeah, so we'll have more on NXT UK at the end of April, a week before TakeOver Dublin. But let's get back to Bates and the Magnificent Seven Rankings. Well, he's got a 5-1 and one record currently this year. Yeah, so it's not a bad record, is it, really, when you think about it? I mean, the big the loss was uh, at Wells Collide. So that was a bit of a shame. So success has been a 3 out of 5. Because like we said, he won a takeover against Devlin, but Wells Collide got lost and again hasn't really come out on... You know, he, he's won matches, but the success of them, he's lost the big ones. Absolutely, so that's yeah. why it's 3 out of 5, basically. Yeah, his performance is 4 out of 5. Again, the man can't have a bad match, and we've seen him escalating Akid and Joseph Connors to kind of giving them their best match they've had in NXT. His standard promotion behind, like you said, Imperium and Volta, Tyler Bay is the most important thing to NXT UK. Uh, So, you know, that's what they can do. But that leads into future prospects, though. Yeah, and that's a 3 out of 5. You know, if we're looking at the very near future... He's came up against Walter. He's come up a bit too short. But that's not saying he's not going to challenge for that later down the line or the NXT Championship or maybe even anything bigger and better on the WWE main roster. Exactly. What we don't hope, what we don't want is just people to be challenging for someone to get the victory over him at a takeover and being used as a building block to someone else he needs to put his talent for. It's a 15 out of 20 uh, for Tyler Bate. I mean, thoughts, what is next for Tyler Bate? What's next for the man? Um... I don't know. Again, I'd like to see him either reforming Mustache Mountain and getting a few good big victories under their belt and kind of getting the tag team titles or maybe kind of, you know, turning down a darker path, getting a heel turn, escalating himself in that way, you know, turning it up a gear, giving us the Tyler Bate that we so want to see. Yeah, I think without a doubt, I think he's got the talent. There's no doubt about that. But like you said, he needs to kind of maybe a different side for him. And it all depends again on the kind of booking and the build-up that he's got as well, you know. Uh, but let's move on now. And last, but by no means least, well, yes, he's last, but, I mean, that's the least of his worries, to be fair. It's number seven. Yes, and it is Pack the Bastard. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Well, it's not been the best of starts for Pack in 2020, having been undefeated for most part of 2019. Omega delivered his first loss in AEW, and since it's been, well, blah. Well, much like Tyler Bate, the more high-profile a match, the more you will probably lose. Instead, with going with the man gravity forgot, they picked the near 50-year-old Le Champion. And let's face it, unlike ZSJ, all we know about Pac is that he's a nasty bastard. That's fine, but with no character development, he's just the guy that faces can beat, i.e. Cody, Amiga, Moxley, and after Jericho, see a face holding it. 
Of course, only challenges, and again, Pac fits into challenge up than the champion. Well, of course, it's not all doom and gloom in WWE. They didn't see him as anything more than a cruiserweight, and now he's seen as a big hitter. But it still must be frustrating. I mean, if AEW can't do the right thing, maybe return to Japan or something like that. I'm not sure. Yes, and uh, our match is going to be Pac versus the man that everybody loves, apart from me. Leading to next episode, AEW Revolution. It is the first ever fan match in AEW history. And of course, next week we will bring you AEW Revolution. So we, we're going to end on AEW and we'll pick up next week on the AEW pay-per-view. It's almost like we planned it. Uh, yes, but Kenny Omega, apparently one of the world's best. I argue we have seen one of the world's best here tonight with Osprey. Can Omega do that against Pac in this matchup? It will be very, very interesting to see. This, of course, the first ever 30-man Iron Man match. So here we go. So we're switching again. So like we said, we had the um, the WWE Network on, and then we had uh, we see Rev Pro on demand, and of course NJPW as well. Now we've gone to Sky, where we've got ITV. And they're giving us Dynamite this week, and uh, it's quite a big match, though, isn't it? I think you know to start off the show. Is this a pay per view worthy match, or is this something that they're doing to kind of bolster the ratings war against NXT? I think it's a pay per view worthy match, and I'm interested to see why they've kind of think Omega as a tag team is he's kind of got two storylines at the moment, hasn't he? He's got this one with Pac about you know they're still drawing at the moment, and then of course you've got the tag team. So it's a little might be a little bit confusing. Uh, of course, Pac's interested in this anyway, so he's going to give his undivided attention. But does that take away from the feud, though? You know. Um, I, I don't know, you know, this is still a feud that people want seeing come to an end, I suppose. And this is the thing, I mean, who are you favouring in this one? We see Kenny Omega and Pac. Of course, we know how great talent Pac is, and Omega, of course, uh, melts his favourite. Well, I think with Pac, you know, his intentions are to go through Kenny Omega. His intentions are, you know, to go through the top. Whereas Omega's thoughts are, well, I've got a tag team match soon. I don't want to use too much energy. You know, I'm I'm going against Pac as well. You know, I want to put my best in against him as well. So, you know, I think Kenny's slightly more distracted on this one as opposed to Pac, who's kind of just got one sight in his mind, and that is to uh, overcome Kenny Omega. Well, there's no doubt Pac is as talented, like I said, as anybody listening to stuff he can do in the ring. But the thing is, is it, what have we learned about Pac in the past few years? You know, ever since being Neville, you know about him. You know, he's a nasty bastard yeah. now. Yep, yeah, um, you know, I, I think we kind of saw the uh, the nasty bastard Pat coming through when he was uh, cruiserweight champion. You know, the king of the cruiserweights, and this has kind of just elevated his kind of level into one that he deserves. You know, having some matches against Kenny Omega. You know, going to AEW, being billed as like a heavyweight superstar, as opposed to uh, you know a cruiserweight champion. I just again like to thank AEW for uh, letting you know giving us Pack and Omega. Of course, the next week we do AEW as well. So it works out great. Move on to Magnificent 7 to the AEW. So Omega now setting up Pack. Look for the one-winged angel to finish it off already. Get quick pinfall, but Pack grabs the shoulders and Omega just flies back into the corner, takes out Pack, and that might be Omega's strategy, just trying to put Pack away early, trying to get a couple of quick pinfalls, and then Pack's playing catch-up. Exactly that, yeah. But you know what my... Uh... My tactics are in an Ironman match, James. What I've already would you explained do? Them to. Well, mine, I would, uh, I would use a foreign object. I would get disqualified, but I'd beat my opponent so hard that, you know, have a throughout the rest of the match, get a couple of free quick pinfall victories and uh, get the overall victory. I think that's a, that's a good strategy. I mean, 
Whereas we see with uh, each Ironman match can be different in its way, but usually, you know, it's still quite close. And it is trying to get that advantage, sacrificing a, a fall to try and do that. I think with Meg, he's just going to try and hit as many high-impact moves as he can. But the problem is, you know, you talk about how um, how much energy it takes, and how, many, uh, how much stamina, as a Omega, again, brings Pac in, tries to put him down. Well, I think, you know, the thing that everyone sees in Kenny Omega is great. I think he's he's too over the top with a lot of his stuff, a lot of his offence. <clears throat> well, who do you prefer? Do you think Omega or Pac is a better wrestler? I think Pac is. You think Pac is? Yeah. <laughs> Just because I dislike Kenny Omega that much, you know, I don't see the hype that everyone else sees in him. You know, yeah, he isn't a terrible wrestler. He's a very good wrestler, but I don't think Kenny Omega's as good as Kenny Omega thinks he is. Who would you, on the WWE roster... Not not just Magnificent Seven. Who would you compare him to and say he's on that level? Um, I would say kind of like a Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. Oh, that's not you know, bad, a though, solid yeah. worker, but not as great as he thinks he is. I think that's a fair point. As Omega now has been in complete control, rolling sent on, went up for the moonsault, but Pac moved out of the way. Omega sends Pac into the turnbuckle. So we're five minutes down and no falls as of yet. And it's been mostly Omega bringing the moves to Pack, wearing him down. So I don't even like the knee cock thing he does when he goes to run the ropes. Well, I think J- I should stop watching Kenny Omega. Well, JR's a big fan of him. Oh, yeah. But you know what JR's like? He gushes over certain superstars. Stone Cold! Stone Cold! <laughs> Stone Cold! Yeah, do you think he's starting that with Omega? Of course, he's got to think about defending the tag titles against the Young Bucks next week as well. And here comes Pack. With a moonsault, gets caught by Omega, turns it into a lovely Tornado DDT. But, you know, credit to AEW. Like I said, the setting's great. Uh, the, the show's been really, really good recently, and the wrestling's good. So, you know, AEW's still continuing like, on the crest of a wave, so to speak. But that was beautiful there by Pac off the apron. You can see the redness in his chest. What else? <clears throat> and now both men fighting back in on the apron, and Omega's got Pac. Sends him into the ring post. Well, this match is fairly even for these two guys so far. As Kenny was making his way out to the top, Pack cuts him off. Looking to bring him in the ring the hard way. But Omega's doing his best to hold on. Manages to fight Pack off. Drops him to the mat with a headbutt. And Omega looking to strike, but Pack bounces up to the top rope. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> Hits a brain buster superplex on Omega. Well, that was an awesome move. Why are Matt and Nick Jackson... Helping out their friend, partly elite. Yeah, but it's normally hills that have uh, corner men. Oh, Pac's got no friends as he spikes Omega. And this has been a hell of a, a fight so far. We're not even a further, uh, further away through yet. Is that a cow- corner-mounted camera they have? Yeah. Out of Pac's ass. <laughs> and now here comes Pac off the top. Seated drop kick knocks Kenny Omega back down to the floor into a cover. But Kenny kicks out. Oh. You talk about confident in your abilities. There's no more confident in their abilities than Pac. He's just, like I said, he's in control. He's just a wrestler. He's meant to wrestle. You know, there's some people like that that you see, and I still don't think he's been given a fair crack of the whip what he can do. Do you think Neville has, like, the potential ability to turn back into a face? You know, like when we first saw Adrian Neville, um, you know, he was uh, a very facey face. Well, Pac can do stuff that make the crowd cheer. You know, there's no doubt about that. Any kind of high flyer, but he does want to be known just as that. Indeed, yeah, well, he springs over the top rope with a cutter into a cover on Omega, but only a two count. Two. And neither man managing to get a pinfall just yet. As we're closing in on the 10-minute mark, only 20 minutes remaining. 
these fans don't seem like they're as much into the match as the uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Will Ospreay match. No, it's about half and half at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, but do you think that's the difference between English and American fans? Like English fans definitely appreciate what they've getting more. Yeah, I, I think that would be fair. Not to you know, don't get me wrong. American fans can be great, and like I said, a few of them there are definitely invested. But sometimes they need a little bit more. That bloke with a New York Yankees hat definitely. Ain't. I bet you he does. I bet you he does for the end of this match. That's how good Pack is. Now Pack just choking Omega on that second rope. Huge chops by Pack in the corner. Oh, he flips him across. Side step by Omega. Runs into a boot from Pack. He looks for his running pump kick. But oh. Omega responds, sends Pack back into the corner. See, the thing with Kenny Omega is I'm not seeing anything that other wrestlers can't do. Oh, I think that would be a fair point at this moment in time. Yeah. You know, with like Zack Sabre Jr., I was watching and my mouth was open because... Oh, yeah, stood up now. My mouth was open because of the things he's doing. <laughs> I was in awe of, as opposed to Omega. And it's just like, yeah, show me something new. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with Omega is like... I think it's the points of view, do you know what I mean? Like, level consistency as well. But there's nothing that I feel Omega could do that Pat can't do. Yeah. You know, and, and that's not just because he's part of the service, just point of view, you know, like, one, given a chance, putting those positions that Omega has, I think Pat could do exactly the same, and I think it's a shame at the moment. He's kind of been here as a kind of, you know, guy to hit the faces to beat to move on to the next thing. And that's how these two men just slugging out in the middle of the ring, but Pac, with a pump kick, Omega responds with a chop. Pack sidesteps, bounces Omega off the ropes into a snap German suplex, but Kenny straight back up, kicks the hand away, knee to the jaw, second knee, Tiger Driver, 98. A rip off there. He goes for that, but no, Pack managing to kick out. Ah. Uh-huh. And Omega picking Pack up, looking for the one-winged angel. Well, Omega bounces him down into a snap German, into a cover, but Pack managing to kick out. Uh-huh. So that was impressive there. That wasn't bad. But again, you know, you do that the one winged angel to a wrestler that's three hundred pound plus. <laughs> oh, you I get hate... the fucking Undertaker up in that or Batista. <laughs> you know, that ain't coming that ain't happening. No, 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 no. You know, with moves like the Claymore kick. Yeah, Claymore. Bang, you know, you can hit that on Oz anyone. Cutter. The Ozcutter, the RKO. P- uh, no, I'm talking about just the Magnificent Seven. Oh, the Magnificent Seven. seven. I mean, exactly, Junior, just get you a submission night. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to go, you shake his hand, you get caught in a submission. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, can he make a, put him up for the one being an angel, and bang, he'd be tapping out before he knows it. <laughs> you know, Tyler Driver 97, there's, you know, you'd probably be able to hit that on 90% of the roster, but yeah. with Tyler Bate, the strength that he has, he could probably do it on Yokozuna. Yeah, that's true. Well, Omega now with the knees to the back of Pac's head, and he's going up with him. And what the hell is he trying to do? Is that a one-minged angel from the top? No, Pack turns round, sunset flip. My God, huge impact there. Pack puts him on the top, turn back on the other corner. Oh, <laughs> well, I don't know what that was, but he went face first into the turnbuckle, then twisted upside down, knee to the face. V trigger is that? No, I'm uh, Pack managing to kick out. Ah. Okay, I credit Omega there for what he did on that top turnbuckle. I haven't seen that before. And how is Pac still with him? Where's he going? Is he hiding? And now Omega chasing down Pac. We are halfway through this match. <clears throat> now Pac with a chair. Straight to the head of Omega. The referee was distracted. I think the Young Bucks have kind of distracted the referee. And they're still distracting the referee. Well, I think he saw it that time. Well, did, did they know that when uh, Omega got hit with a chair? Has been DQ'd. 
So it's a 1-0 up for Omega. But, you know, you get a 37 recovery period as the clock is paused. And uh, the Young Bucks check in on Omega. But what uh, punishment did Omega take there? Well, the clock's resumed. Now can Pac take advantage? He's 1-0 down. Oh, running boot into the corner. And there he's going up. The Black Arrow. 2-3. And just like that, Pack is back in leads. Is that your strategy, Dan? Takes him down. And I remember when you first saw the Red Arrow, you said it was one of the most beautiful moves you'd seen in wrestling. Is that still the way for you? It is, yeah. You know, despite it being the Black Arrow, because Pack's a bastard now. <laughs> and now it goes to our break with Pack. And there's a little over 10 minutes left now. As Pack and Omega on the apron. Well, I don't think Pack quite capitalised on his uh, steel chair assault. He should be like two or three up by now. And now Pack's got hold of Omega. Oh! <laughs> shit! shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, a falcon arrow from the ring apron down to the way for Finn Matts. That ain't going to feel nice. Well, you heard the three. Checking on Pack. And, uh, you know, Matt and Nick. Come on now, give them some space. Yeah, I feel they're getting too involved. They're getting their fucking mutton chop sideburns, which irritate the fuck out of me as well. But it helps them out because they've got to face him. You know, they've got to face Omega. He's not going to be 100%, is he, leading into uh, Revolution. And Pac's chest a mess as well. You can see the red marks. Oh. Wow, and Kenny Omega's been sent into a uh, trainer and referee. I don't think there's any EMTs there. Well, it will be now with the injuries. When the clock's not paused, it's still running down. And the Young Bucks are like, what are you doing that for? Well, it's a fucking wrestling match, you twat. Pat looks furious as he gets the table out now. Uh, to be fair, you know, referee's down, but at the moment, you would look at a handicap situation. And surely the numbers are against him. Well, don't call me Shirley, but, you know, the Young Bucks, they could be kicking the shit out of Pack right now, and no one would be the wiser. Well, rumour has it. Rumour has it. That Pack is not scared of any uh, fight like this. He won't back down. Like I said, the train of referees, EMT's down. And while the ref's away, the pack will play. And it looks that way as he puts Omega on the table. Today. And what a huge victory it would be today for Pack to get this. And he'd be looking, you know, I'll I tell you what, if you don't care about where he is in AEW, look at the Magnificent Seven go, right, I'm going to make sure in three months' time I ain't last. Oh, well, Kenny Omega certainly is in a lot of trouble. And where the hell? Pack all the way up to the top. He's got his balance. What the fuck? Oh! <laughs> Shit! Shooting star! Off the top, through the table! Oh my god! Wow, beautifully hit the target. Oh my god! <laughs> we have seen some moves here today. My god. Well, the fuck now. Pack's down, Omega's down, referee's down. Oh no, referee's up. That's a different referee. The new referee's counting them out. No, it's the same referee. No, it's a different referee. <laughs> that all looks the same to me. <coughs> I don't want to be ready. I mean, look. Oh, now the counting. Can Pat get in? Up to seven, eight, nine. He waited a long time before the ten, and he was helped into the ring. Oh, come on, ref. Nah. See, that's that's been a constant problem throughout. The referees are absolute fucking dog shit. <laughs> well, Pat can't believe it. Omega's back in, and we've got just over five minutes to go. Can either man take the advantage? We haven't even asked if this could be a number one contendership match. We look at the rankings, though, that you sent me, and Pac was, I think, number two, even though he'd lost more matches than MJF has. But now Pac's going to look to put away Omega and get a major victory here. Major victory? 
Oh, Black Arrow, but Omega with a knees up. Knees up, Mother Omega. Now Omega's struggling to get up as the Young Bucks cheer him on. Well, you're saying, you know, kind of like you're the next tag team match opponents are out here cheering on their opponent. Yeah, his tag team partner's nowhere to be seen. Yeah, where is Paige at this moment in time? A huge knee by Omega to pack. <laughs> Another knee. And a huge slam, but no, Pat managing to kick out. Uh, it's funny when Jay, I don't know the name to the word, he just says he was folded up like an accordion. <laughs> he just forgets, yeah. This ain't ballet, kid. It's a slammanaka. Yeah, Pac's in serious trouble with mate trying to get the energy. It looks like a really young Diamond Dallas Page. And the crowd cheering as he may be looking for the V trigger. And he's calling for the one winged angel. Oh. But Pac with a reverse Rana. How do you reverse that? Omega might not know where he is. And here comes Pac now. And plants him with a DDT. And he's going to look for it. The bastardizer. And Omega is in serious trouble now. Well, he's got to at least hold on for two and a half minutes. At least three minutes he's got to hold on for. And Pac must be smirking. No, James hasn't got a cigarette in his gob. He's got a smile on his face. Because he knows the longer he holds Kenny in this submission... The more he's going to fucking give in. He's fucking Kenny Amiga fan, but slap him around. Why do you hate Kenny Amiga? I don't understand. A, because Dave Meltzer's fucking wound him up to be the fucking biggest thing since sliced bread. And B, because he's not as good as he's made out to be. Two minute warning. Two minute warning. We didn't get a three minute warning with Rosie and Jamal. Three minutes in a murder kill. Well, <laughs> Pat gets to the ropes. And Amiga now is just trying to survive. To survive. And now look at Pac ready to spring into action again. And Omega making sure Pac can't get the submission on. Trying to lock the fingers so Pac can't stretch him out. And now trying to get the leg but calm. And now Pac's got it locked in. And is Omega going to fade out, pass out? Can't get to the ropes. Then he had the count there but Pac managing to roll. And we've only got 30 seconds left now in this matchup as Omega desperately trying to hold on. Pac has got him. Omega managing to escape. 20 seconds left. Pac's got it locked in again, though. It looks to be even tighter as he squeezes and squeezes and squeezes if we get to 10 seconds to go in this match. Can Pac get the job done or will Omega hold on? Look at it as a countdown. 2-1. No. Well, it goes to a one-all draw. Well, a draw there. Pac looks disappointed. Referee saying time's up. But normally, well, surely... Don't call me Shirley. Here we go to extra time. Or sudden death. And Pac knocks out the referee. Second time, referee's been knocked out. Oh, and Justin Roberts saying he's, this match will continue under sudden death rules. Omega will need to pack. He's going to end it. Oh, look. Here comes another three. And a huge knee by Omega to pack. And a fans chant for Aubrey Edwards. That's nice. She comes out here, the fans are appreciative. And Omega with a huge need of Pac. No, still can't get the job, job done. Pac manager to kick out. Uh-huh. And Omega now picks him up. One, One winged, winged angel. angel. Two, three. Man, just like that in sudden death, Kenny Omega gets the victory down. What do you think of the match? It was okay. It wasn't the greatest Iron Man match I think I've seen. And it, you know, it's not definitely not a match of the year candidate. Pack, you know, certainly his fucking moves are absolutely flawless. You know, he knocks it out of the park every time he's there. I don't know what Nick and Matt Jackson were doing at ringside. I think it's completely stupid and ridiculous. You know, you would expect Kenny Omega to be able to get a job done on his own. 
you know, Pac being the heel zone and go toe-to-toe with the Omega Man. Um, and, you know, I think Pac was a better performer in this match, without a shadow of a doubt. Don't tell me, Dave Meltzer gave this match a 7.5 out of 3. Yeah, a lot of people, including Bleacher Report, say this is an A-plus matchup and that this is a match of the year candidate. No. Now, don't get me wrong, it was a very good, but I still think Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay was much better. Absolutely, yeah, but doesn't um, Bleacher Report have affiliations with AEW? Yes, they do, yes. Yeah, so, so they are going to be slightly, if not very, fucking biased towards them. Yeah, well, I, I think that's true. So uh, Pac is not a happy man, as we see him being interviewed with um, Tony Schiavone here, and, you know, and Pac's... Obviously, going through it, as we see with his record, you know, he's one and three. You know, he's won one match this year and lost three. I mean, that is just not good enough for someone at his level, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And that's why his success is just a two out of five. You can't really argue. Oh, wait a minute. Pat giving his interview to Tony Schiavone. And it's Orange Cassidy coming out here. One of my favourites. Oh, and OC takes his sunglasses off. Gets hit once and is dropped to the mat. Oh, and Pac just beating him now. Here comes security stopping that. Well, Pac taking out Orange Cassidy. I'm sorry, but the bloke was hit with a forearm ice and it looks like he's been fucking dropped off the top of that stage. Well, this is going to piss you off even more because at AEW Revolution, Orange Cassidy faces Pac. So, Pac left WWE because he didn't want to face jokers like Enzo, but he's going to face Orange Cassidy. Dan, I know you've got opinion about this. What is it? The man is a gimmick. And it's not a great gimmick. Yeah, it was funny the first couple of times. Um, but that that is it, really. It's, you know, it's kind of not funny anymore and it's getting boring. Well, we'll see what happens at AEW. But if we go back to, uh, like I said, success, two out of five for Pac. Um, performance, three out of five. When, when he wants to, he can try, can't he? You know, it's just been the matches where nothing's happening. Like against Orange Cassidy, he won't wrestle like he did against Kenny Omega. Which might be a bit of a shame, but then again, you've got to save yourself if you're working that many dates. Absolutely, yeah. Um, his standing in promotion is a three out of five. You know, he's he's kind of out there mixing with kind of like the what AEW would class as the top dogs in Kenny Omega, and he's having you know quite high profile matches. But you know, he's not out there. He's not challenging Jericho. He's not you know in any contention for the tag team titles. He's not you know anywhere near the top of AEW. No, and that's why his future prospects look so bleak. Two out of five. At this moment in time, you cannot see him. Uh, like I said, if, when Jericho loses it, if he loses it against Moxley, if he doesn't, uh, you expect the next champion to be a face. Where does Pac fit into that? He fits into the kind of challenger role that loses. Apart from that, you can't see it for a while. You know, you talk about people on the list saying they're definitely, McIntyre is definitely going to have to six this year. With Pac, it might take a couple of years. And uh, that means it's 10 out of 20 and of course the thoughts on it you know the fact is it should pack think about maybe going to new japan and going wait a minute let me go against the card in the moment and i'll be treated a little bit better than i am in AEW. oh he most certainly will yeah um is that a thing that's on the lines for him no i don't know you know i think he's just gonna uh he's, he's just gonna kind of stick where he's at and he's you know he is gonna be someone who's taken a hefty paycheck he's wrestled what four times for AEW this year yeah um, you know, he's not kind of put in a performance that the other wrestlers on the Magnificent Seven have, and he's probably still getting just as much money, if not more, than a lot of them. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, that is it for then for the Magnificent Seven. Let's just run through them. So, of course, we knew number one was Drew McIntyre. 
Number two is, of course, Pete Dunn. Number three was Will Ospreay. Number four is Zack Sabre Jr. Number five was Marty Skell. Number six is Tyler Bate. And, of course, number seven was Pac. So that is it. We'll bring you updates. But the next rankings will be in June. We'll see how much that changes. Of course, we're going to bring you a lot more on the Magnificent Seven as well. But, of course, we've got a UK schedule this year we'll be looking at. Of course, January brought you NXT UK takeover. In February, we brought you the Nigel McGuinness special. In March, we've got the Magnificent Seven rankings that we're bringing you right now. In April, we've got NXT UK TakeOver, we've, Dublin. Yes, we have. We cannot wait for that. Uh, we'll have a live show for that. May 4th, anniversary, watching something special. Dan, I will tell you right now, shall I, what we're going to do on our anniversary show? Break it to me. So, you know, we have the pro and we had the um, catalogue of shows in their vault. Well, Dan, every show we went to live is actually on there. And for our anniversary show, we'll be watching the clips and trying to find us in the crowd for all the moments that we have. And, of course, against, you know, people like Will Ospreay, Ricochet, uh, Rich Swan, Drew McIntyre, everybody that we forgot. And also, we're going to try, it's going to be very self-indulgent, but still, we're going to list all the wrestlers that we actually saw at these events and blame as well. Because I didn't know that we'd seen Cameron Grimes. And he actually performed at one of the Red Pro events as well. Wow, so, holy shit. Exactly. So we're going to see a lot about that. That'll be May 4th, and that'll be focusing on the UK as well. Uh, in June, we've got the Magnificent Seven update of the rankings and the list. Yeah, and July, we're going to have the William Regal special, which we're really looking forward to do. Uh, August, we've got a takeover, hopefully. Hopefully, if not, we'll do something else. September, the Magnificent Seven update. October, hopefully takeover. Maybe live wrestling. Yeah, we're going to maybe see something. Uh, November, we've got a takeover, hopefully. Magnificent Seven update. And then finally... In December, we've got the Magnificent Seven final update rankings. But that is not it for us, because we've got a huge live weekend, April 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Friday, we'll bring you April 3rd, it's the Hall of Fame. And the British Bulldog was reportedly set for the W Hall of Fame induction. The British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, is reportedly set to get posthumously inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame during WrestleMania weekend in Tampa, Florida in April. His induction has been confirmed, though it's unclear when WWE will officially announce it. Well, Bulldog had four separate stints with WWE in the 1980s, 1990s and 2000s. He also worked in WCW, ECW, Japan and Canada. Eh? Smith won the WWE Tag Team Championship twice, once as a half of the British Bulldogs with Dynamite Kid and once with his real-life brother-in-law, Owen Hart. Well, Bulldog was part of the famed Hart Foundation stable, along with Owen, Brett, Jim and Brian Pillman, but he also enjoyed individual success. He was a two-time European champion, two-time hardcore champion and one-time Incarnate champion in WWE. His crowning moment came at SummerSlam 1992 in his native England when he beat Bret Hart in the main event to win the IC title. Bulldog died in 2002 at the age of 39, but his son has carried on his legacy in the wrestling business since then. Uh, Harry David Hart Smith was one half of the Hart Dynasty with Tyson Kidd in WWE. He has since gone on to wrestle in Japan and MLW. If Bulldog gets inducted, Harry would be a logical choice to accept on his behalf, as with Bret Hart given the magic they made together inside the ring during their careers. So the Hall of Fame, we're hoping to have a British representative. On Saturday, we'll have TakeOver Live. And then we've got a huge announcement planned as well. Like I said, some huge shows coming up. Huge one for Sunday as well. But that's not it. The WWE are in talks to bring one of its main pay-per-views to the UK following a sensational deal struck with BT Sport. Well, Vincent Mann's Vestation has not had a major show major, major show in Britain since SummerSlam was hosted at Wembley in 92. 
Well, Wembley would be the favourite to host any WWE pay-per-view in the UK, or there is talks that it could be held, James, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. <laughs> well, Wembley Stadium sold out 8,000 fans crammed in to watch SummerSlam in 92. There have been rumours of the country getting another one for a number of years with eternal talks on a regular basis, and John Cena saying it on every fucking house show. Yes, and it is understood discussions have intensified with either WrestleMania or SummerSlam planned to return to the UK in the next few years. The move will come merely months after BT Sport landed the TV rights from WWE from their rival Sky Sports late last year. Well, the broadcaster has ramped up wrestling coverage in the UK and continues to push for it to be a mainstream sport. Well, the 30th anniversary of SummerSlam being in the UK is fast approaching in 2022 and that is seen as a landmark year. Well, Drew McIntyre won the Royal Rumble last month, the first Brit to win the iconic over-the-top rope match. And this was seen as a big push for the UK scene with a Scottish psychopath likely to main event WrestleMania 36 this April when we do it live against Brock Lesnar. Alongside that, NXT UK has proved a huge success with some of the leading stars in the world coming out of the promotion. Pete Dunne, Tyler Bay and Trent Seven, the more huskier fella, are just a few of the names making their names on the American soil at present. A number of venues would be big enough to host one of the main pay-per-views but Wembley is at the top of the list yeah so hopefully we will have a WrestleMania in a couple of years also like we said we look forward to NXT takeovers UK takeovers and AEW as well because next week AEW revolution uh, but the one thing about it is that AEW said that they will have a UK show this year and it should be a pay-per-view and if they do it in London the UK we're definitely fucking going to that as well Dan so we might have an AEW next week AEW revolution and the AEW prediction league Begins, you're going down in the AEW ones. That's happening next week. What are your final thoughts on the Magnificent Seven, Dan? Um, you know, for the most part of it, the Magnificent Seven have been producing very good matches. And if it continues like this, the Magnificent Seven will thrive under the WNR podcast. That's shadow of a doubt. I knew it would be a good show and it delivered. And next week we'll bring you AEW Revolution. But until then, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at WW Network Review or... Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at John Score Road. Of course, all the Google platforms. Send us an email at the Podcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at the Podcast. We're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. Come and find our page and give us a like with a WNR Podcast. And come and find me and add me as a friend. I'm Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WNR Podcast. We've got all the latest clips going on there. The podcast at the same time on YouTube. There are places like SoundCloud. On your phone. And we're also on Spreak Radio. We're going to have a live shows at the beginning of April. Stitch Radio and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. But after 235 episodes, I might have that down actually right. So, that is it. Like I say, next week is AEW, but until then, that was Magnificent 7. I have been James Rowlands and for 275 episodes, I've been joined by... Dan White. Thanks for this, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>